I've got something important, exciting news for you, Ant. Not only is this episode 68 of Critical Apocalypse. You know, the next episode is going to be dead sexy. I know, I know. It's going to be fucking Just give me a good episode 70. <laughs> We're just going to have to start porn. We're just going to have to have like a whole episode where we just review porn. Um, or at least I will. Yeah. So anyway, so yeah, i got some important news for you, Ant. Do you realise what's happening? We're being sponsored. Are we? Yes. What Who are we I... being sponsored by, you ask? KP's Crisps. Nintendo of life. That's right, we're being sponsored by the Christian Church of Christians, Latter-day Christians. Now, you know what this means, don't you? I'm uncomfortable with this. You're uncomfortable with this? Why are you uncomfortable with this? Wait, no, before you say why you're uncomfortable with this, let me tell you the benefits of us being on the side of God when it comes to podcasting, okay? None of that... Godcasting. Not... (laughs) Don't take his name in vain. Anyway, first of all, right, none of that naughty, naughty language anymore. Shit. I know, right? Fuck balls. But anyway, we're going to stop that. Also, no more taking the Lord's name in vain. So you know what we can't do anymore? Can't bash that Donald Trump. Is he the Lord? Well, according to the Christian Day, Latter-day Christian, Christian Saints of Christendom, yes, he is. Now, and what that? What? What else do we get? What do you think we get? Snacks. No, these sexy robes we're wearing now. Oh. Yeah, right. That's right. How's that robe feel? It's warm. Yeah, it's very pious, isn't it? It's because they're made out of burlap sacks, and only burlap sacks worn by the poorest of poor. How does that make you feel? My one's got ticks in it. <laughs> well, that's one of the benefits of having the poorest of poor wear our sacks before we make our robes out of them. I think it's those potato vermins. <laughs> you think you've got potato mites? Yeah. You're damn well better, because those robes cost us a very, very small, I want a minuscule £6,000. And all that money, you know where that goes? Not to me. No, do you know where it goes, though? Where? It goes back into the church. When I say the church, I mean the pockets of the people that run the church. But they, you know, They're just holding proxy, on to the money. They, by proxy, give that money yeah. to Jesus. I've seen it it's happen. It's just resting in there. It is just resting in there. So mm. you know what You know what else we get? Nothing. No, we get business powder. No. Do you know what business powder is? No. You don't know what business powder is? No. Well, I snuck a little bit in your drink. How do your teeth feel? Say numb, because I know they feel numb. <laughs> yeah, business powder. So what we're going to do is we're going to snort a ton of the business powder. Then we're going to go to church at two in the morning. Then we're going to go to work the next day on more business powder. Do loads of business. Get lots of money for the church and continue to be sponsored. But that's on top of everything else. All the benefits I've listed you. So we are now sponsored. That's right. Critter Apocalypse is sponsored by the Latter-day Church Saints of Knights of Jesus, and you know we're only we're only in the hole for twelve grand, and we've got the fucking power of Christ on our side. Ah, oh, we're it's out of compelling. business powder. It's compelling. We're out of a lot of business powder. I think we're down a little, a couple of extra grand on business powder though, because they gave me a few months advance on that. But we'll make it back in God bucks. So what we do is we convert all our real money into into even more real money. Man, God so bucks. What are God bucks worth versus a real currency? You know, okay. such as Bitcoin. Okay, so take a pound. For every pound, you get two God bucks, oh. right? But to change them back into pounds, you only get 50p for two God bucks. So straight away, you've got to make sure you convert up to God bucks, but not down to pounds. Now, God bucks are accepted everywhere in America with the sign that says Latter-day Church Saints of Latter-day Christendom and also some KKK online shops. But that's that's not linked. That's not linked to the church. 
It's not linked to the church. It's not linked to Donald Trump. Donald Trump is in the religion, but he's not the head of the religion. He's also not in the KKK. He just was wearing a ghost costume and was caught in the wrong place at the wrong time. He was praising Jesus. That little boy wasn't sucking his penis. He was he was down on his knees saying to him, save me, Donald Trump. And Donald Trump really had to urinate so bad that he didn't want to do it over his nice ghost costume he just bought. It's very white. It's very clean. It's very expensive. It's made out of the same burlap sacks, but they're painted by white paint. It's very good for you. And business powder. It's very good for you. It feels great. Looks great. That kid wasn't sucking his dick. That's the important thing. Remember, our sponsors want us to say to everyone, Donald Trump wasn't getting a blow from a kid in a KKK costume. He was actually going to a Halloween party. He needed to piss. He wanted to take the costume. He's an old man. Sometimes you get a little piss drip. Just a tiny little bit comes out. So you've got special underwear. But the special underwear doesn't stop the piss drip from like going... Like Mormons. Like, like Mormons. But the piss drip comes out still mm. and it goes on the white sheets and it makes the white sheets yellow. You can't mm. be a yellow ghost... With a little piss stain, you can't be ye- white ghost, yellow, and also the ghost costume had a hood, and it had a red upside down cross on it, but that was so that he knew which way to put the hood on, because he didn't want to put it inside out, that looked ridiculous. Yeah, it would. It would, it's on the outside because you can't look in a mirror and see inside of your mask, you have to look in the mirror and see where the red cross is pointing, it's, it's got to be pointing down, so it's not religious, it's not religious. But anyway, what, the important thing is, Donald Trump fucks kids, no he doesn't fuck kids, we're out business powder. Your review first, Dan. I, I did that in only five and a half minutes. I just did satirical political comedy in under five and a half minutes. I'm not sure that's satirical. Well, no, I did just mention two organisations. The church, well, the American church, and the KKK. Those are two organisations that Donald Trump has had ties to. And also, he went on that plane where people fuck kids. The same one he criti- crit- criticised... The same one he criticised um, Hillary Clinton's husband. What was his name? I want to say George Clinton, but that's the guy from Parliament of Funkadelic, and I'm Carl Clinton. Bill Clinton. <laughs> Bill Clinton. There we go. William Clinton. Yeah. It's the same one he criticised him for riding on and oh. said that he fucked kids. And I was like, oh, Donald Trump, you don't want people to know that you fuck kids. He doesn't fuck kids. As I'd already already explained, ghost costume, Halloween, fucking a boy. I mean. Didn't want to piss on his clothes. The boy was helping him with his penis because he's very old. That's why the boy was boy was working his penis out of his trousers. But it's so long he has to he has to keep working the shaft to feed it. You know, like a hose in a in a comedy. You know where they're working it anyway. So you know what I'm talking about. You were you've seen the video. You know what happened. It's very clear that he was being sucked off by a kid. I mean, he wasn't being sucked off by a kid. So sorry, your your review, Ant. Your first review. How are you doing this week? What are you going to review? Um. Every week, it's only going to get worse. And I think that eventually we will get done for slander. Mm, right, so... <laughs> We're a non-for-profit organisation! <laughs> Who gives a fuck? So I saw Baby Driver. Yeah. Finally. As yeah. I have week's eight. Um, that's so far... Film of the year. As far as I'm concerned. Because, you know... And I, don't, I, I, I was keeping this. I keep thinking about the film and I keep going, yeah. It was really good. It was really special. It was really beautifully edited and like put together. And it had a concept and an idea. And there was a, a director's vision that bled through the whole thing from start to finish. And you know what he wanted. He made the film he wanted to make. It doesn't feel like one of those films where it's like, you're making this film that you want to make, but we absolutely have to have this big star in the lead. That didn't happen. You had Ansel Igor, who no one gives a shit about. He's like in Divergent he, or something, isn't he? He was he was the person I most wanted to die in the Fortin Our Stars. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then he died, and my hatred transferred over to Shailene Woodley, who I also wanted to die. Oh, she's alright. She didn't die in that film. 
Yeah. I really wanted it to. I wanted every. I wanted it to be an apocalypse movie. But it's a it's a fantastic movie that I've Baby never Joy, more but... in my life wanted to watch a teenager die. Yeah. Why were you watching that film? Because Willem Dafoe was in it. Ah, oh, he enough. plays he yeah. plays a writer who is off his tits a hundred percent of the time. And when they go to visit him, they're like, "Your book changed my life." And he goes, "What do I? What do I do with that information?" And they're like. Oh, but we love you. You're so inspirational to us. I mean, we're both we both got horrible illnesses. And he goes, he goes, everybody dies every day, and you think that we need to care more because you're children. And he starts playing really high, really loud volume German house music. Nice. Just and it's like there's these two kids just sitting there, like ready to cry, and he's just like, no, if you excuse me, I was the Green Goblin. Yeah. Hi there, kids. He's going to be in John Wick 2. He wasn't in John Wick 2. He was in John Wick 2. He was pretending to be common. Right. Breaking news. Yeah, okay. Common wasn't actually in John Wick 2. Ah, okay. Willem Dafoe was wearing high heels and blackface. Controversial. And also, Nicolas Cage played Keanu Reeves. And Ian McShane was played by... Oddly enough, common doing whiteface. That evens it all out. Just makes it fair, doesn't it? It was essentially a remake of a fellow. No. You done with that? But Ian McShane <laughs> was a fellow. Played by Common. Yeah. Common was in Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad is a literal abortion. Okay. Donald in- Trump fucking children would be easier to watch than Suicide Squad. You done? No. No. Yes. Right. Baby Driver. As you were, sir. <gasps> um, excellent film. Brilliant soundtrack. Like, amazingly shot. Had real cars doing real stunts. Yeah. That's rare. I mean, okay, to be fair, the newer Fast and Furious films actually have gone back to using real cars and stuff. They're not as CGI'd as they were in... Uh, was it the third one? Or no, one of the... Or the fourth one? One of them where there was, like, CGI car chases everywhere. Are you talking about Tokyo Drift? Tokyo Drift's fine. Don't get me wrong. It's because that, fun, fun film. Because that's Fast and Furious 3. Yeah. It's the fourth one, isn't it? There's, there's a, like a car chase at the start where it's 90% Oh, yeah, they've got a really bad flaming truck. Something like that, yeah. Yeah. But um, even the first one did as well, though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Too Fast, Too Furious. Just too Fast. Bullshit. Too Furious. Um, um, yeah, Baby Driver's odd, brilliant cast. Oddly enough, I'm going to come back to this. Fast and, too Fast, Too Furious recently cracked, awarded that most realistic fight scene for in the beginning where Tyrese and Paul Walker are fighting. Yeah. Because the whole idea of two people fighting and it's all being choreographed and it's all perfect, that doesn't really exist in real life. Whereas in Too Fast, Too I don't know if you remember what happens at the beginning, but he sees him and Tyrese goes, motherfucker, punches him in the face. And then, and then Paul Walker goes to do like a disarm move, but obviously... He just has nowhere to go with it because there's no walls or anything. So he just accidentally drags him to the ground, also taking himself down, hurting himself in the process. And they're just like, they're trying to tussle with each other, just hurting themselves as much as they're hurting the other person. And it's just very well choreographed, despite, you know, not looking as choreographed as standard martial arts or so on and so forth. But baby driving. Too fast, too few. Too fast. Too few. Yes. Yeah. I really enjoyed the film. I want to watch it again, but, you know, money. But, um,. Yeah, it's a brilliant cast, and I like they just sort of like it felt like you know Edgar Wright got the people he wanted in the film, and he got to make his film, which is good because he should get to make his films because he's possibly the best director working in Hollywood. He's on another level, and people don't quite realise it yet. Friggin' that world's end is a friggin' 
near masterpiece. masterpiece. Like that's a superb film. At World's End has its own martial arts style. Yeah, I love freaking Nick Fury. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a martial arts style in which one hand isn't used to do anything but yeah, to protect sure the pipe. Yeah. yeah, to not spill it. But thinking like Nick Frost fighting with bar stools on his hand yeah. is like brilliant. That's like awesome. But, um, yeah. But yeah, Baby Driver. Like, I love like the editing for the whole film because I've been like you know how Transformers was possibly the worst edited film I've ever seen in yes. the cinema. Um, Baby Driver, like loads of people go on about like the car chases and the action sequences being cut to the music in the film. Mm-hmm. They're not the only parts that are cut to the music. Like no. just regular dialogue scenes, the cuts happen on the beat and stuff yeah. like that, and it creates this flow to the film. Um, and it's just it's freaking beautiful, and it's like genuine tension. Yeah. Build up the final parts with like um spoilerinos where there's like friggin' in the police car and it's the yeah. red light inside the car and he's taunting Yeah. Um taunting I baby. Have, like the third act has its issues. Nah, it's perfect. The film the film's like a ten out of ten. Yeah. The third act has issues. But I would agree with you that this is my favourite film of the year so far. Yeah, yeah. This is I mean it's gonna be hard to beat it. Yeah, I thought Logan was gonna I thought Lo well Logan's Beautiful. Logan wasn't a perfect film for me. No. It wasn't anywhere near. Um, but Logan felt like a Logan genuine felt, definitive yeah. end for Wolverine and I'm done. Yeah. I don't want Hugh Jackman to ever play Wolverine again because it'll ruin what that film did. Yeah. But um, Baby Driver's just freaking good. He's like, Edgar Wright just keeps getting better. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm going to... Uh, not to... Not to... Don't make a parade, but I'm going to review Baby Driver as well. Cock! But it, to round it out, any statements, any closing? Um, it's fucking superb. It is. Um, <laughs> it makes me want an iPod. <laughs> Just well, an iPod. I broke mine out after seeing yeah. it for the first time. And yeah. the music that's on there, half the songs from the film were on my iPod. Yeah. <laughs> like stuff like Baby. <laughs> Have you got Egyptian reggae? I do, yeah. oddly enough. It's you got um, Intermission by Blur? I don't. Which is the least oh. likely Blur song to appear on a Actually, film. Actually, no, ever. I do. I do, yeah. because I've got the album... Isn't that on the one with cigarettes it's on and... Modern Life is Rubbish, isn't it? Is it? I think, I think it might be... Or 13. I, I have, I I have like, half of Blur's discography on Yeah, so. same here. Yeah. But, um, I love the... They had an action sequence set to Hocus Pocus's Focus, which is possibly a bit played out now. Yeah. But it was beautiful, and I did... did that's one bit that actually did bother me, is that... Because I know that song off, like... That's, like... One of my favourite pieces of like prog rock music ever, yeah. and they re-edited it for the film. It sounded yeah. slightly different, and it kind of bothered me that bit. But that whole on-foot chase sequence, the whole build-up, the gunfire going it's into the music, and all this sort of stuff. Um, the way the, the song ends with the iPod getting shot and blown yeah. up, because um, the song does end that quickly. Yeah. Um, but it's yeah, it's freaking superb. But it's, the thing is with that though is like that song's perfect for that sort of thing. Robocop did an action sequence set to it before. Yeah. And. I still maintain that Robocop remake's actually sort of all right. It's not bad. Um, and that sequence did kind of stand out, but this is like so much better. Yeah. Um, it's actually got a reason for the music to be there and it's all, yeah, yeah diegetic music. He's loving it in this film. Really is. But, um, um, but yeah, great film. Yeah. Go uh, see it, you cocks. Okay, so... It's this year's Mad Max Fury Road, as far as I'm concerned. I would, I would say that it's a more complete film than Fury Road was. Piss off! Fury Road's perfect in every way. <laughs> Almost, but it's not a complete film. Like you know, what I mean, like the thing about Mad Max is that purposely they make it vague, whereas something like Baby Driver, you need to have a more complete storyline to run it through. Mad Max is perfect in every way. <laughs> Mad Max but, Fury Road is only mean? possibly second to Road Warriors, the greatest film of all time. Yeah, like, but you know what I mean, though. Like, yeah. 
But Baby Driver's so, more plot heavy than Fury yeah, Road. Yeah, but definitely. Yeah. But I so, say you want to say, I mean, it's the film is it's like the one where everyone's like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. And then it comes out and everyone's like, wait, what? And then it just gets louder and louder yeah, until yeah. everyone's in love with the film. The thing about Fury Road was that Fury Road was an opera of machinery. Mm. And People thought that film was going to come out and die. Like, they didn't think the years of development it had, the two years from when it was finished filming to be made. Well, look at Deadpool. They thought the exact fucking same. Yeah. Everybody was like, you can't make an R-rated action film with superheroes. Yeah. And then Deadpool, Logan. Yeah. Anyway, so, um, so it's my review of Baby Driver now. Should have done this last time. I should have done this last time. The problem was that I, I tend to be one of those people that accidentally reveals spoilers when I go into detail about things. I don't mean to a lot of the time and then other times if it's a really, really bad film, I'll to. fucking destroy it because mm. I like doing that. Um, but uh, did I review King Arthur last time? No. Okay. Um, but anyway, so Baby Driver, spoilers. I'm going to say spoilers now just in case I drop any information. It's a great film. I highly recommend it. As I said to Anne, I don't normally give numerical scores to a, to something, but it's a, such a complete experience. Um, everything is fought out. Everything is, is calculated. Edgar Wright is the serial killer equivalent of a film director right now. I don't think that there is anything that he has ever done that he has let any item or any part of it slip out of his hands, mm. which is why he couldn't direct Ant-Man. Yeah. that's You can see from this that he couldn't direct Ant-Man because he... And yet the Ant-Man film still had Edgar, Edgar Wright edits in it. Yeah. Like, it still but had that's because someone, they, bought someone, they bought someone in who wanted to make that film the script probably had yeah. so much of that information in it already yeah. you couldn't help but just make it that way yeah. um, so anyway so Baby Driver I've seen this film three times in mm. the last two weeks fuck right Yeah, I've never not since the original Pirates of the Caribbean in which through a horrible horrible string of events I ended up seeing it three times <laughs> um, have I gone to the cinema in such a short space of time to see one film I've spent 60 quid in total I've got to, to beat my um, Dark Knight seeing it four times in the cinema oh Jesus <laughs> Um, I might end up doing that. Tara's yeah. obsessed with it. She mm. loves it. Um, and uh, she's an Edgar Wright fan. She's yeah. distinctly an Edgar Wright. We had a rat named Edgar after Edgar Wright. We've now got a ferret named Baby after, you know, the main character in this. Spoilers, that's not his real name, but we're not going to get into that. Um, but I've seen it three times now, and there are... You're right. It isn't just the small... It's not just the action scenes that are done to the music. So when he's going to get coffee, there's the lyrics to the song. Yeah, and he says the lyrics to the song in time to the... When the song's playing, yeah, you hey, can hey, see hey. you can see parts in the mm. background as well. Oh yeah, and that we were just dancing for yeah, the street, slide yeah. and and slow and things like that. Yeah. All the dancing, the, all the words are there in the background. It's not just that there are songs that they listen to foreshadow events that are going to happen. Yeah, you know, you get hints through the lyrics what's going to go on. So if you know the song, you know roughly where it's going. Um, there's a great twist on on expectation. Mm. There's a character named Bats that's almost purpose built to be the villain. Yeah. But he is simply a catalyst. I never thought he was going to be the final villain in the Did film. You not? Because, well, I, it was it was going to have to be one of the people who's introduced in the first heist. So you thought it was John... Well, that's I figured it would be John Hamm or Kevin Spacey. No, but I then thought it was going to be John whole, Burnfall. Yeah, but he didn't turn up again. No. But they had that line, if you don't see me again, I'm dead. And I thought at some point they'd come across his body yeah. or something. Yeah, But, um, but yeah. no. Yeah, who was the other... There was two other guys in the second heist, weren't there? Yeah, there was... One of them gets killed. Jimmy No-Nos and there's... Yeah. Um, the God, Asian guy um, who messes up and they no, kill yeah, him. the Asian who put home, he put the Asian in Home Invasion. Yeah, <laughs> it's like um, it has every time I've seen it, I've pissed myself laughing at the line. It, it, Baby Driver sees a tattoo on his neck, hmm. and it says it says hat. Yeah, and he goes he goes hat. Why have you got hat tattooed on your neck? And he goes, well, it did say hate, but it limited my job prospects. So I had the E removed. Yeah, and he's just got like a really shit love heart over the E. Yeah, and he goes and he's like. 
does it work? And he goes, who doesn't like hats? <laughs> like that. And it's fantastic. That's Edgar Wright all yeah. over. Yeah. But one of the things that I feel was lost a little bit in the transition from um, UK and, and, and UK actors and actors he'd been working with for years to a whole new host of act- actors... And they've done so superbly well. John Hamm especially is a standout in this film. I don't think he gets enough play anymore, but he mm. is, he's fucking funny. He, if you listen to any podcast with John Hamm in it, he is, he's essentially a very good looking, very funny human being. And it seems almost unfair on the level of Ryan Reynolds that yeah. he has both of those aspects in his personality. Cause it's just, he's, well, he's, an, old, he's an old quick. fashioned style actor who knows yeah. how to do different sorts of roles. Yeah. Like, he doesn't pigeonhole himself. But he's set up to be um, to be an antagonist. He's set up almost to be a partner to Baby. Yeah. Like he gets on. He he. You know. He builds a relationship. Yeah. You know. And and ba- and Bats says Bats warns him. As soon as you get feelings, you get dead. And you don't realise, you're thinking, oh, it's Bats. Bats is just this psychopath, this sociopath that's eventually going to kill Baby or try to kill Baby with Kevin Spacey. But no, he is a catalyst hmm. to almost all of the end of the film. Hmm. And there's John Hamm and he he evolves into this whole other thing. Yeah. And there's hints yeah. at that personality coming through. And then at the end, full on fucking, it's incredible. And again, I'm not going to spoil it because that's already kind of spoilery on my behalf. But, but I like how they do it. And, and Kevin Spacey as well. Kevin Spacey, he he flits between that dad-like character and then being yeah. intimidating so quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like it's just yeah. a dial switch, and he's really good at it. It feels like it's one of the ones where Kevin Spacey cared what yeah. he was doing. Because you know he said a few years ago, I'm only going to do films now that I really care about. Yeah. And he was in that film where he gets None turned knows. into a cat. Yeah, I think that was made in like 2014, though. So maybe before he said it. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. But, but this uh, one, it feels like... It feels like he cares about being in yeah. this film. Um, you know, when Bruce, like when Bruce Willis cares, and you suddenly get a really yeah. good performance. One of my favourite one of my favourite scenes with Kevin Spacey is where he's telling Bats all about Baby. Hmm. And then as he's as he's saying it, he's given the full backstory of Baby. There's cuts perfectly timed to the story and the music. Hmm. So you get switches between the different different personalities involved. And then as he's done, Kevin Spacey just turns to Bats and goes, Look at that. I just drew a fucking map whilst I told you the full entire fucking backstory. Yeah. <laughs> he's like Done. Look at that. And it's really good. Like I, I can't recommend this enough. That's the thing. I've already pre-ordered the 4K Blu-ray. I've done everything I can to make sure that when this is released, I get the best possible quality and I can watch this again because it is... It get is a laser disc. <laughs> yeah, get it on. I'll just, get, I'll just get a print. I'll just buy a print and a projector. Nice. Um, but all in all, there's, there's, no, there's no single aspect that in any way ruins the movie. Mm. There's, no, there's no MacGuffin... There's no hidden little special power. It's all no. just everything that we've it's seen. Got the power yeah, everything that we've seen up until that point is just used skills. Like it's just he's really good at driving. Mm. At one point, he shows us that he's good at moving. He's he's got the ability to move very fast. And there are hints that he works out and he hones those skills. He's got the bar in his house that he's like yeah. dancing and and he's like doing the dance around the pole and stuff. And like he's aware of areas and like moving around and shit. Um, and it's just it's really cool. It's really cool to see... Someone the other day said to me, I like Suicide Squad because Suicide Squad is so bright and funny. So I asked them... Bright? Yeah. So I asked them, can you name a joke or name a scene that's bright? And so they said, I'm going to Google it and I'll come back to you with a joke. And they Googled it and they said, I I remember it being brighter. (laughs) And then joke-wise, the closest thing they could come up to with a joke was the one Harley Quinn line from every trailer, which was, we're a bad guy, which is the yeah. worst fucking line in the film, and that's a film full of dog shit. 
That is the cinema equivalent of me vomiting in a piece of paper and saying, hey, check it out, look, Joel Schumacher can direct this. But but they couldn't name anything. And then the quotes were just torrid shit. It was just stuff just awful. Yo, guys are crazy. Yeah. Just shit like that. With his gum. Just, just shit like that. But anyway, like so... Diablo in it. I think they did a good job with Diablo in that film. Except the CGI was fucking awful. Oh, yeah, because they just didn't give a shit at the end. Yeah. <laughs> they had a 175 million budget. They spent all their money redoing this. Yeah, paying your fucking trailer house to yeah. direct... To what was the name of the bad guy at the end? Oh, Enchant- Enchantress. No, the other, the big... Not that one, the other guy. The big CGI guy. Oh, um, you're talking about a brother. Yeah. What was his name? Exactly. Shit, yeah. <laughs> I don't think they even said it during the film. They do. Do they? Yeah. Fucking nice. Um, anyway, but Baby Driver, like, everything's set up. There Should are have been jokes. It's a heist movie. There are so many jokes. Yeah. And they're all good. But it's not a comedy film. No. It's, like... it's funny, though. Yeah. It's really funny. Like, little jokes. Like, oh, yeah, there's a song called Deborah. It's by Trex. Oh, you mean T Rex? Like, yeah. And that's just like a really awkward little interaction yeah. between kids, essentially. That's a Scott Pilgrim line, sure. Yeah. yeah, it's a very Scott Pilgrim line. But, um, oh, it's just great. I mean, mm. that's the thing as well. Scott Pilgrim. Scott Pilgrim is a bunch of comedians making a comedy film that have to have action yeah. and music. Well, Scott Pilgrim's like the American, like the way it came out felt like the American version of Spaced. Like yeah. if they did a film of Spaced. A little bit. Yeah, a bit more hyper-realistic, yeah. you know, very, very Edgar Wright. This but one's he... not as Edgar Wright in terms of, it doesn't do the swoop cuts, it doesn't do many match cuts, mm-hmm. it just keeps it, but the editing is... It's it's edited and filmed yeah. by Bullet. Yeah. Which is so weird. There's stuff that's like freaking. I was picking out just references to silent films and movements yeah. and Busby Berkeley style. Like the bit where he shoots down the alleyway and the car does the skid to get around the cars and it goes to an overhead shot of it going. Yeah. It comes back around. It's a Busby Berkeley movement, that. Yeah. Um, I liked. Did you see the. like They had like Dark Knight and Heat style helicopter shots. Yeah. I like the Heat. The Heat style helicopter shot, shot as it goes under the tunnel. And then whilst they're under the tunnel, and then as soon as they're out the tunnel, it goes back to the helicopter shot. Seamless. Yeah. Like, in exactly as in time as it needs to be. Like, it's just everything perfectly lines up. Hmm. And instead of it having this mishmash cut feeling where it just doesn't time and it feels like they're in the tunnel forever, it doesn't. It feels like they're in the tunnel for 10 seconds. Did you spot Edgar Wright reference in his own work? No. At one point. Oh, yeah, yeah. They had the video from the... the yeah, yeah, yeah. Playing the, in a bit. The original idea behind all this was playing yeah. in the background. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just so much the shit. The line from Monsters, Inc. <laughs> yeah, the line from Monsters, Inc. is used. Oh. Yeah, he's just like, don't give me lines from Monsters, Inc. Yeah. <laughs> I thought I heard that somewhere. My nephew was watching it. It's Sam's fav- one of Sam's favourite movies. Yeah. Uh, um, but, like, probably probably the most glowing thing I could say about it is that I've seen it three times and I still want to watch it again. Yeah. I don't have any problems. I love the soundtrack. Everything works. Everything is good. Like, the actors are all fucking spectacular. Jamie Foxx owns the role of Bats. I would, if anyone else played Bats, I'd be so fucked off with them because they're just doing psychopathic shit for the fucking whole set. But he is fucking dynamic in that role. Yeah, yeah. Jamie Foxx is underrated. Like, yeah. I think nowadays. I think people kind of, because he, he came at the gate really fast with Ray and everyone was like yeah. freaking amazed by it. And after that, they just kind of, he hasn't played the same sort of role. He keeps going to more darker and weirder roles. Yeah, if you watch The Soloist and stuff. Yeah. Soloist is a fucking great film yeah. though. Yeah, but stuff like that, and um, like people discount his performance in Django, and he's but Django's fucking, fucking incredible. Yeah, yeah, I love Django. Film. He got the f- ripped for that film as well. Yeah. That's the that's the first Tarantino film I've like genuinely loved for years. Really? That one, like, cause I, I like, I even like Death Proof. Like, to a certain I like extent. Death Proof a lot. You have to keep rewatching it, and it gets better each time you rewatch it. I think. See, my thing about Death Proof is that I went to you know Guildford. They yeah. had um, they had a special night where it was Grindhouse Night. Yeah, and they played Death Proof, the Fake Trailers, and Planet Terror all in a yeah. row. It was on like a Tuesday, so I'd work the next but day. It's like those ones, that one, Inglorious Bastards, 
Um, like they didn't feel like. As, Did you not like Inglorious Bastards? I, not as much as I like half of it. Nah, see, but I, I don't really, think they're as good as his earlier stuff. But really Django like, Unchained feels more like Kill Bill and stuff like that. Like it's Kill Bill Western. For me, there's um, the trilogy of films that I can watch from Quentin Tarantino like endlessly. Oh, his first three films are immaculate. Well, see, I can watch I can watch Hateful Eight, hmm. Django Unchained, and then. Um, no, sorry. Yeah, Hateful Eight, Django Unchained, and then Inglourious Bastards, and I fucking don't need to do, don't need to worry about anything. I love uh, it. Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, and Jackie Brown are all better. <sighs> Jackie Brown's a great film, really underrated, but I think that Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction die really quick if you've seen them a few times. I've watched Pulp Fiction many, many times. Yeah, so have I. And and I just, I, it doesn't have the same impact as it used to. I hate the slowdown of the Bruce Willis scenes. Because <laughs> you know when it skips to the French lady? Yeah. And it's just like... They're having very sweet conversations. That conversation works a lot better if that happens after um, Jules and... Just change it around any order you want. It's a quick yeah. thing, Pulp Fiction. Move around your head. <laughs> Just re-edit it, yeah. like they did with Suicide Squad. <laughs> but, um, oh, yeah, maybe when you're releasing Dri- the version of Suicide Squad, I get to edit. <laughs> I'm still waiting for that. I give uh, Baby Driver a uh, Tom Atkins. It is it is this year's... Hedgehog or the actor? Uh, both. Mm. Yeah, 10 out of 10. It's full on. Um, it is... A spectacular movie in every way, shape, and form. Um, Ansel Engort makes up for all the shit that he's done up to this point, and it has been all shit. Um, Jamie Foxx, John Hamm, uh, Eliza Gonzalez, fucking incredible. Kevin Spacey owns every film. He feels like Rose, a boss. wasn't it? The girl who's in it. She's the one who's in Cinderella, and she's in Downton Abbey. Lily James. Lily it? James. Yeah. yeah, yeah. She plays the waitress. I'd probably say she's the thinnest of all the characters. Yeah, but she's meant to be there as like sort of. She's a sent not really the Muff- MacGuffin, but she's like the thing Baby wants to Again, get. She's kind of a catalyst. Yeah, she's like Jamie Fox. She's, she's like the, the thing that gives yeah. him a reason to not do what he's Jamie doing. Jamie Fox is chaos. She's mm. order. Yeah, that's kind of like how that feels. But still, um, yeah, go see it. If you haven't seen it, go see it. If you have seen it, go see it again because you'll find little shit that you fall in love with all over again. Mm. Um, and it's just nice stuff. Like I like the um, you you know like Baby starts off quite cocky. Yeah, but he's not cocky. He just doesn't care. He's well, he not even that he doesn't care. He's just he just wants out. Yeah, so he's just working. It's like a job. It's like when you're at a job you hate, you just keep working. Yeah, and when he starts hearing like people talk about hex songs and how if you hear something on the radio that means you're gonna die, you're gonna die, mm-hmm. and then the jobs start going a little bit awry, and yeah. then it just eventually because completely falls apart. Mm. I wouldn't even mind a prequel to this where it was just the heists. <laughs> like through the years, just you saw him evolve into that character, and then it ended just with John Hamm. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. They could do a um, a game like, do you remember the old Stuntman games? Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. Something like that, where it's really rigidly what you have to pull off, yeah. but you just nail these cards. You can pick the team that you go with, but it can never be the same three people. Yeah. It has to always be different three people. Yeah. yeah. And bananas. Bananas. You have to yeah. collect bananas as you go around. It's like hidden through the level. Nice. Fair. Once you get it all, Kevin Spacey gives you a call, he's like, yeah, no, you're done. <laughs> oh, dear. Right, you done? Uh, um, I should review Castlevania the series I watched that the other day it's been getting rave reviews from everyone uh, I've been seeing loads of rave reviews people are going mad for it really? yeah and I watched it and I was like this is an Adi Shankar production for sure he forgot to end it Did you? do you know who produced it? <laughs> Adi Shankar no who else produced it? it was him just him no, no not, pro- not produced it wrote it? I don't know um, god what was his name? can't remember but um, no, yeah, the Castlevania Netflix series, it's only four episodes. It's basically retelling like the first couple of levels of Castlevania 3, um, yeah. which I've got the soundtrack to. 
classic Dracula's Curse. But it's like, it's it was fine. It was just kind of, it was very slow moving for something that only had four episodes. And I, I want to know what their plan was if, like, you know, they didn't get to do another series. It felt like a Matt, you know, the guy who played Castlevania. It mm. felt like a, a series of like a not Castlevania, you know, Constantine the series. Yeah. It felt like they a, a series of that, yeah, but in like an old medieval setting. I get the I get sort of the idea of it. I like the first episode probably the best because that that whole telling the story about Dracula's side of things with his wife and she, her dying. It's Alucard's mother. Um, they didn't show Alucard in the crowd. Alucard should have been in the crowd if you were sticking to the Warren Ellis story. Like. Warren Ellis. Yeah, don't know who that is. Warren Ellis. No. Point right. Is he? Yeah. I think you wrote 30 years a night. But it's like, oh, Steve, Steve there's a Niles, weird sort right? of like, it's taking itself super seriously, but then Trevor Belmont's like constantly joking and yeah. being silly. They're trying to put him across as aloof and it's kind of kind of more silly. Yeah. But when I say it's an Adi Shankar production, what I mean is um, Adi Shankar produced Dread, which is yeah. a fantastic film, but he's also the guy who did uh, Punisher, Laundry Day. He did no, that. No, um, Dirty Laundry. Dirty Laundry, yeah. Um, that. Venom short film with uh, Ryan Quatan in it, wasn't it, or whatever his name is? Um, he did that Power Rangers one with Jason Vanderbeek. But he does it without the rights. That's but, the interesting yeah. thing. He doesn't have the rights to any of those properties. He just hires a group and a team and he shoots yeah. it in like a weekend. But the then... reason why I say it's like that is that all those things share one thing in common. They never really end. Yeah, they feel like a setup for something else. Yeah. Like Dread is a fantastic film. But it ends at a point where you're like, okay, where does Dread go next? I want a proper Dread, like a bigger Dread film. I want a bigger Judge Dredd film because that's what Judge Dredd can be. Yeah. This feels like that. That felt like the small Judge Dredd film. You could get more. This one, like this, ends like like it has a fight against a guy who's been like they reference sort of throughout the series. There's a sleeping warrior, yeah, underneath his temple. But that legend sounds older than Alucard's been under there. It's Alucard who's in there. Yeah, um, not with a mohawk. You should have a mohawk if it's Dracula. If it's Castlevania three, he had a mohawk in that game. Um, but it ends with them fighting each other, and it's like, okay, that's a fight that should happen, I guess. You want to have like them testing each other out, but that's not where the series was going. The series is going towards stopping Dracula, and this ends in four episodes, and none of that's been done. And you're like, what were you going to do if Series 2 never got commissioned? Were you just going to leave it there? That was going to be your complete story. No, do a Sense8 style movie. <laughs> but it's just kind of, they just kind of ended it. But there's stuff that's quite nice in it. The animation's quite good. There's some really animation incredible bits. Yeah. That Cyclops fight is great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's some really nice stuff in there. Um, it's quite gory and stuff. Mm. Um, the accents are all a bit funny. All the guy, a lot of British actors. Matt Frewer though. Matt Frewer does the mm-hmm. voice, and he's as the free, the um, bishop, whatever his name is. I thought that was going to turn out to be Shaft. I thought he was going to be not Shaft as in, um, you know, thingy. Shaft. No. Shaft is in the priest who yeah. um, summons Dracula yeah. in Symphony of the Night. But now nah, he gets his head face eaten. Mm. Um, but it was it's one of those things where I think it's like, it's not the series that it probably should have been, but people are raving about it. People loved it. See, I've heard, I've heard both good and bad things. I haven't yeah. heard like an absolute good response to it or an absolute bad response to it. Yeah. Um, I've heard so many people that are middle of the road. There's a lot of issues with dialogue, which I noticed. Yeah, a lot like, of talk a lot about of crap, testicles. Yeah, crap dialogue. Um, like you said, the, the music's character. like nice, but it doesn't feel Castlevania-y. So I think Castlevania should be kind of like, if you're going to do a Castlevania film or an animation, you don't take it so seriously. Yeah. Like you kind of do it as a bit, not necessarily super tongue-in-cheek or anything, but like give it that 90s action movie vibe. I was going to say 80s grindhouse. Yeah. Lots of synth. Like, 
Yeah. Yeah. And, pra- you know, if it's a live action film, I'd want practical effects everywhere yeah, and definitely. things like that. Like, cause, I mean, I remember Paul Top W. Anderson was going to make a Castlevania film and, yeah. like, it probably would have been bad, but I think he would have got the tone right because that's sort of his tone. Yeah. His action films are kind of like 90s action films, just got more energetic. I would like the people that that make um, things like Manborg and they made recently mm. The Void. Yeah. I'd like them to make a Castlevania thing because I feel like mm. they could they could strike a good balance because they worked with Troma on a few things. So I feel like they could ru- strike the right balance between lots yeah. of practical, stupid effects, which would work well in like an 80s yeah. style aesthetic, but then also some really good dialogue. I'll let Guillermo del Toro make one with lots of practical effects. Yeah. Spend loads of money and then no one watches it because that's what happens when Del Toro spends money. I want a Castlevania <laughs> film in which they've got like, you know, one of those platforms, you know, like, um, you know, the skeletons. Yeah. I want it to just be a, like in Army of Darkness where they just had, they had essentially a trench next to where, next to where the actor stood <laughs> and they had people with like fake skeletons on their shoulders just going, <laughs> and then someone would come along and go, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I'd love, I'd, it's like, I'd want a Castlevania film that's got like a rocking soundtrack. Yeah. I'd love Dragon Force or something doing the soundtrack to it. Just like going that's too cheesy mental. That's, you want Dragon Force, <laughs> but you only want the guitar. Dream Theater. No. Yeah, you want like the guitarist from Dragon Force on the drummer, but then you mm. also want on the other side, you want. Um, Get uh, the drum from Demon Massive Gear. Attack or like. Or, yeah. No, who are the people that did um, the soundtrack to It Follows? Oh, that's Disaster Piece. Disaster Piece. Yeah, they were Disaster yeah. Piece with Dream Theater. But they did um, years and years ago. It's really hard to find the internet now. They did a collaboration album, which was a whole bunch of Castlevania music done with a whole bunch of different artists. And Disaster Pieces is on that. And they did like Bloody Tears or something really? like that. Really? Um, it's really hard to find. I've got it on my Apple Mac. <laughs> <laughs> my Mac Mini. <laughs> but I've, I've looked on the internet and I can't find it now. But there was a whole bunch of different people. Um, if you want good Castlevania music, Mega Ran did a Castlevania album a few years ago. It was really cool. Based on Symphony of the Night. Tells the story of the game through the music um, which is a really good one because Symphony Night doesn't have any of the Castlevania themes everyone knows Yeah, it has more of the ambient and orchestral stuff oh okay yeah it's very different but he raps to it because it's Mega Man that's what he does I like Mega Man he's fun um, but yeah it's, it's that Castlevania series is like it's an alright setup, but I feel like there should have been at least 10 episodes like you could have told a complete game story in this it's not like they're complex I think complex. you were right the other day when you said it should have been a movie yeah it could have been a movie it, like it's an hour and a half and all that. Um, but yeah, um, it only takes an hour and a half to watch. I suppose there's worse things you could watch on Netflix for an hour and a half. Yeah. I've been watching a lot of Power Rangers recently. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's the worst way to spend your time. I'm at the point where Rocky, Adam and Aisha have joined the team. Oh, great. No, yeah, no one checked to see if they could act before they joined the show. <laughs> there's a brilliant like seven episodes where Jason, Trini and Zach aren't in it because obviously they'd quit. So they're replaced with like body doubles from behind all the time or stock footage. So occasionally the new white ranger, Jason, is where Tommy is wearing green, which at first I'm like, oh, that's because she's using stock footage. But then I think that's realistic because he's only just become the white ranger. It was new to him. He didn't know he was going to become the white ranger. He didn't have time to go buy new clothes. He still got his green ranger tops <laughs> and trousers. So that's a good level of realism. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, you review something, you clod. All right. So I saw um, another film. Yeah. Um, it wasn't very good, but yeah. I saw it because it had Jason Manzoukas in it. Of course, it's The House. The House. The House. The new comedy starring Will Ferrell and Amy Poehler. Oh, not a sequel to The House. No. Not, they haven't or, just done the, added third to the title. Nor House Party. Starring Kid and Play. Yeah. Yeah. Classic. Yeah. 
And Martin Lawrence, wasn't he in one of them? Yeah, he was in yeah. one and three. Yeah, um, classic. I'm going to make House Party 1 look like House Party 2. Yeah. Oh, House Party 3. Shut the fuck up! Jay and Son and Bob Stroke back. Great yeah. quote. Fantastic. Sorry. So, back to the point. Chris Rock, fantastic. Um, but sorry, back to the point in the house. So it's a film um, starring Will Ferrell and Amy Poehler as parents of a little girl, or say a little girl, of a young woman who is going to college. Hmm. They have a very small, very inclusive little village where everybody's quite well off and they have little charity things and so on and so forth. And they, they're developing stuff um, for the town or the township or the village uh, that's going to increase, you know, the, how much houses are worth. They're going to add like a pool and this garden, all this other shit. Um, but in doing so, sadly, they've they've run run over cost and it means they can't. They can no longer supply what she was relying on to go to college, which is their scholarship program. Scholarship. Scholarship. scholarship scholarship program for a local a local person to go on to college they pay for their tuition and stuff to help develop the town again all about town and the village um, which I've never heard of but it's America so they can fucking do anything they don't even have healthcare over there who gives a fuck no. uh, but um, and so Nick Kroll plays the mayor he's corrupt of course um, he is trying to convince his um, on a, his what well, his fling his his uh, his mistress to run away and marry him and all this other stuff she's just not interested she's less and less interested in him the more desperate he gets and he gets very desperate very early on um, and uh, and so Will Ferrell and Amy Poehler get together with one of their desperate neighbours played by Jason Manzoukis who's been bottoming out because his wife left him uh, his house has gone into yeah, probably you know, would if you were married to Jake Manzoukis Jason Manzoukis is incredible shut the fuck up don't you dare <laughs> speak a bad thing about it um, I'm kidding of course speak whatever you want I don't know the guy I just listened to a podcast with him on. What if he's racist? He might be. He's Greek. Yeah. So anyway, he so might be a milkshake duck. Maybe. So they open a they they get the plan to open a casino, um, and make money so they can take their child to college. So Jason Manzoukas can get money and tie everything up and sort everything out. Yeah. His life's kind of a fucking mess. Um. Needless to say, it all goes wrong. Jeremy Renner has a cameo. Uh, he gets some cut off in a very gory scene. Uh, Will Ferrell has a freak out scene because he does in every film now. This one's brought on because he cuts someone's finger off and then has a has like a run through the woods with an axe like a mad person. Um, all in all, it's not great. It's better than anything else Will Ferrell's done for the last five, six years, seven, ten years, however long it's fucking been. Who's the last good Will Ferrell? Talladega Nights. Uh, Strange and Fictions after that, isn't it? No, that was two thousand six as well. Was it? Yeah. Uh, um, I didn't like Step Brothers. Loads Step of people love that. Step film. Brothers was like two thousand four. Yeah, I think that film sucks. I don't mind Step Brothers. I actually, kind of like I like a lot of it. But the problem is that at that point, I'd already seen that in the Fist Foot Way yeah. and Anchorman, and also Wake Up Ron Burgundy, the untold story yeah. of Ron Burgundy. No, he hasn't been anything good. He's he's done quite a few things that are good. He's done really really good cameos. Yeah, he has great cameos in things like Wedding Crashers. Will Ferrell works really well in a very small little amount. Yeah, he does a little tiny bit in uh, Starskin Hutch. He does. It? Yeah, yeah, he does. Mom, yeah, Meatloaf. Like, no, that's 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 uh, Wayne Crash. That's it. Yeah, uh, you're thinking. Yeah, in Starskin Hutch, he's the guy who makes them act out two dragons. Yeah, that's he it. He does the shirt designs, but his erotic fantasies. Yeah. Uh, but in uh, he did a long, long, long time ago. He did um, uh, like a film with with Danny DeVito, Casey Affleck, Christina Ricci, um, and Bette Midler in which Bette Midler's this awful woman who dies and everybody's investigating and he plays the local funeral director mm. and they go to visit him and they're like, oh, was there anything weird about this? I know we did an autopsy, but did you find anything weird? And he goes, well, just, just, you know, it didn't really do anything for me. Like, what do you mean? He goes, oh, it, just, it didn't, seeing this didn't really do anything for me. Like, 
I would say artistically, but there's a certain sexu- sexual aspect. And Danny DeVito's like, no, no, okay, that's enough. I'll just take down the stone. You're good. You didn't see anything out of the ordinary. Yeah, it just didn't didn't strike me as anything really that aroused my interest. <laughs> and it's like it's like, oh, okay, shut the fuck up now. And at the end, there's a scene in which um, in which the local mechanic, who's also kind of a weirdo, is in there. And he's just like, God damn, I'm the, can't believe I'm never going to get to sleep with that woman again. And, and Will Ferrell comes along and goes, he goes, well, certain things can be arranged. <laughs> like that just appears that's a really creepy little cameo which is really good and that film was like a pound film like I bought that yeah. one you know in Woolworths where they had the weird it had like a just a black sleeve and it had the title yeah and it was a, like Dummy starring Adrian Brody um, but it's, it was a really odd film and that was probably the highlight of it was this little Will Ferrell cameo and from then like you see him more and more in things and you realise that that's his voice he just doesn't work for a whole film unless he is on point and gives a shit Films like yeah. Anchorman, he obviously was like completely committed to that. He yeah, helped yeah. write it, but then you watch Anchorman two, and he's given up. Like the jokes are obvious. The I was best with jokes- Anchorman two, they those guys had kind of convinced themselves that everything they ad lib was comedy gold. Yeah, and so they probably just went with whatever they. But you know, like laughed at the most on set. The thing is that <laughs> the other actors are kind of doing really well. Yeah, like the best thing about yeah, Paul um, Rudd, man, Paul like- Rudd's incredible in that. Yeah. You know, like the scene where he's it's going... come a long way since he had his computer. Yeah. Well, you know, in like in Anchorman 2, take the scene where he's he's describing his club of friends, they're all rich, older guys, like white guys, who are yeah. like O.J. Simpson as well. Yeah. And they've all got jackets that goes, you know what they call us out on the strip? The lady killers. <laughs> like that. Like, and they're all notorious murderers. <laughs> he's just like, yeah, we just go around, we hit up the bars, you know, meet some women. <laughs> and then you've got um, you've got coaches back played by David Kochner. Yeah. And he's and he runs his own fast food restaurant. He goes, you know what they call cats? Checking up the alley. <laughs> Why is he always incredibly unhealthy in every film? Everything in. It's like you know what they call cats. Like Chicken Bob Pogo in F and the Fam F and yeah. his family does a yeah. voice in that, doesn't he? Yeah. And he's like, I'm on a diet now, and he's like eating cream cheese yeah. from a freaking tub. Yeah, just spooning <laughs> into his mouth. But no, in um in this, yeah. His stubby like, fingers where yeah. he had to bit his fingers off. Yeah, to chew his fingers. But in um yeah, in Anchorman 2, those those two get the best lines. Steve Carell gets a fucking throwaway shitty storyline which he falls in love with um with woman who's way too good for that film, Kristen Wiig. Yeah. Who who does so much indie shit, you wouldn't think she was a mainstream actress, yeah. but then she ends up doing fucking Ghostbusters and look like she wants to kill herself. Uh, but anyway, so that's besides the point. Back to the house. So the house is not a very good film, but the cameos are kind of great. Um, some bits are great. It has one of the best shot fight sequences of a film I've seen this year, which is weird for a comedy film. <laughs> so there's a fight sequence. It's set up that the they start getting out of control and two, two people gambling start accusing each other of cheating. And so they get into a fist fight mm. and they end up just one hit punching each other and, uh, no, sorry, one hit and the other one's down. So yeah. he knocks him out and total TKO, just one hit, done. Um, and then the two wives of the two guys that fought start bad mouthing each other and they just fucking go to town on each other. And the fight sequence is great. It's unbelievably good. Like they have slow mo where the impact needs to be seen, but for the most part, it's like one person gets a gut punch in, you see that person get hit in the stomach, they go down and then the view is from them panting and trying to like convince themselves to get up <laughs> and from behind him you can see the woman talking going like come oh, on in slow motion like a real rocky shot yeah and then she gets up and does a backhand like a spinning backhand to her and i was like this is incredible what is this doing in the house of all the films that have a great fucking action scene it's the house they've got a shot where there's like a balcony and the camera goes over one side you see the women fighting one of them kicks the other one and then you just hear another impact and then she fucking flies out of the other side but the camera pans over the balcony <laughs> As if it just fucking, as if it's an inf- like an ethereal ghost that's just travelling through the sea. And that's great, that's what you want. You want a, mm. 
you oh god fucking damn it it irritates me it's in here because this is like a straight up this is like a this is like a Val Kilmer in The Saint. It doesn't give a shit. No, don't just The Saint, man. Do you like The it's Saint? A classic. This is Val Kilmer in The Island of Dr. Moreau. This is Val Kilmer in The Island of Dr. Moreau. That's this a classic is, as well. No, it's not. It's a terrible movie. It's a fantastic I film. Love you. Yeah, exactly. Why are you Marlon doing? Brando's why are you amazing. doing a Marlon Brando impression when Marlon Brando was on set with buckets of ice on his head? The better than that is though is the documentary about the making. Oh yeah, of it's fucking nuts. And Richard Stanley lost his fucking mind. He dressed yeah. up as one of the animals and hid in the woods, didn't yeah. he? Yeah, good on him. Yeah, and then got a part in the film. And he got a part in the film, yeah. <laughs> and he was—he said that he went home and cried about it. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, the house is, is just is crap. But it's like there's entertaining shit in there. Like they I'm going to spoil a little bit at the end now because who gives a fuck? No one's going to go fucking see it. Um, Jeremy Renner plays like a really big bad guy mm. and he sends in a bloke to do some like money laundering. So he money launders using their casino. So he's like making big bets and losing on purpose but then he's like winning back large amounts. And, uh, and he's obviously cashing the chips over at the things that they've got like fresh cash and it's not. And um, and he tells Jeremy Renner, yeah, he gets his finger cut off by Will Ferrell in the scene where he goes nuts and he goes running around. And the joke is that Will Ferrell is really bad with numbers, but he's also, he's he's really fucking terrible aiming with an axe. So he comes in and, and um, basically Jeremy Renner's robbed all their money, put into a bag and then handcuffed the like case to his arm. And he's walking out and Will Ferrell comes out and he's just got this axe and he goes, get let go of our money and he goes to cut the chain but just fucking cuts off Jeremy Renner's arm <laughs> and then and then Amy Poehler comes out and she goes like I'll scare him off using the oxygen because they've got like oxygen being pumped in to make everyone high so they gamble well. she comes out with a tank of oxygen and a fucking lighter and she starts flame throwing the place and Jeremy Renner's arm gets caught on fire because he's got like an embroidered jacket it's got like a flame embroidery so that <laughs> catches fire and then one of the guys goes oh don't worry I'll throw this on him and put him out and they're like no that's Sambu <laughs> <laughs> and he catches fire all the way up his arm. Nice. And then, um, and then someone comes and goes, no, don't worry, I've got this. And then Jason Manzuki goes, that's also Sam Booker. It's like a massive jug and they throw it on him. And he's completely on fire. And then someone comes along with a robe. They go, oh, don't worry, I've got a robe. And they check over and he goes, no, that's polyester. <laughs> and then the dude catches fire again. And then Wolf Rail goes, oh, no, I've got this. And kicks him in the stomach. So he goes down the floor and starts wrapping him up in carpet. And they're like, finally, the flames are out. And the carpet goes, I guess the carpet is also polyester. Nice. <laughs> That's the one good joke in the whole fucking movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's great as well because when the axe goes down like for a brief second you think oh they're just going to do a joke about him having one arm and still like storming the place and winning no he turns with his arm carved to the nearest bad guy in his team and just sprays of blood flying the guy so he's like oh god nice <laughs> it's just incredible hyperviolence it's almost like South Park for a minute yeah. it's really cool um, but other than that dog shit oh. alright your review um, <laughs> Doctor Who's finished new series has ended <sighs> it's actually a really, really good series this year. Um, they they had this whole like thing going on. Where it was a little bit sort of more darker than the previous series have been, and they built up stuff and they they sewed threads in the earlier episodes for later, which was quite fun. But um, they ended it with this like whole two part thing that was a really cool sci fi concept, where a spaceship that was like four hundred miles long had got caught near a black hole and it's trying to reverse away from the black hole, and they arrive at the point nearest it. And during a whole kerfuffle, Bill gets killed. She gets a hole blasted through her, like right through her chest, which is a bit graphic for yeah, like, TV. Um, and then some weird guys turn up with bags on their heads, and they take her and they go, we're going to fix her, fix her, and all this sort of stuff, and they drag her away. And she's down the bottom of the ship. 
But the thing is, because they're near a black hole, gravity's messing things up. Time at the top of the ship is moving far is moving slower than time at the bottom of the ship. Yeah. So she has to wait for the doctor to get there. And he's only up at the top for like five minutes, but like ten years passes for her. And in that ten years she gets turned into a Cyberman. Yeah. A Mondasian Cyberman, which is the original ones. And it's quite interesting that they did this whole like they did a thing where they showed the origin of like one of the first Doctor Who villains, mm. the sort of Mondasian Cybermen, and then there's like all these little things where they reference stuff that's happened in other Doctor Who series. They make make point that no matter how many times they stop the Cybermen existing, they just seem to find a way of coming back. Like time wants them to happen. Yeah, and you even see like um, in the second part of the episode where they're basically having a standoff and getting ready for a war with them. You see, like the more advanced Cybermen. It's not just like the latest versions. There's ones from different series. So it seems like they've all culminated in that one area. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it was a really good two part. It's like it's all leading up to Doctor Who regenerating. Um, the episode teased at the start of the two parter him like dropping into some snow with like his regeneration energy coming out of him and all this sort of stuff. Um, but it ended on a big old nice cliffhanger where he's like he's dropped out into the snow. It's got caught up to the bit that was at the start of the episode. Um, Bill's had some stuff happen. She's no longer a Cyberman. Magic stuff happened, and she's been saved with yeah. a plot device that was weaved in in episode one. Oh. Um, nicely bringing it around. Um, a lot of Doctor Who's assistants yeah. recently seem to become immortal as well. That's weird. Oh yeah, but that's because like, they want to bring him back randomly later. Well, no, <laughs> the whole idea was originally was set up that Rose was the first because mm. she broke the rules by exiting the time stream by opening the Tardis, Tardis yeah, exactly. or something like that. She and went then, to live in another dimension. Yeah, and then Clara, it turned out that somehow naturally left the time stream and then returned immediately. She revert. No, she um, saved the Doctor by going into time itself. Yeah, and yeah. Going back to his earliest points to make sure he couldn't forget her. So his thoughts rebuilt the entire universe. Nonsense. Yeah. Um, but this one, they had like there's an alien thing in the first episode that was made a liquid could travel across space at incredible speeds and always catch up to Rose. And she had left the tear in Rose. Because she was a Cyberman, she was crying. The Cyberman shouldn't be able to cry. And yeah. it was actually the alien leaving a point with her so she could catch up with her oh, and turn okay. her into one of her own types so of pilot. So it was almost like a repeat, you know, like the like, old skip AB. Yeah, like, yeah, just making sure that she yeah. cool. was no longer a Cyberman, she got brought back. Um, but they've done some interesting stuff because the Doctor's refusing to regenerate in this part. And then you see him and he's like, you see his hand go like that for a second and he clenches his fist and stops it. And then it pans out and real Doctor Who nerds will recognise where he was. It's not just any old icy planet. It's this, like, it's an ice planet place that was where the original Doctor first encountered the Cybermen. If you know your Doctor Who nerd stuff, that's where he was. And then out of the smoke, setting up for the Christmas episode, is uh, David Watts-his-face, the guy who played William Hartnell in the uh, Doctor Who biopic story they did a few years ago. Yeah, yeah. There's a really good one about like how they made the first series of Doctor Who. Um, and he's playing... William Hartnell's Doctor, the original, the first Doctor. Yeah. So the Christmas special is going to be the latest Doctor with the first Doctor having a Christmas adventure of some kind. Oh. Um, and I think it's basically going to be about accepting, you know, convincing Capaldi's Doctor to accept his death and regenerate. Yeah, I because he think... started to regenerate at some point and then somehow rejected it. Yeah, he's been pushing it, he's been forcing it, because the Doctors, they can stop the regeneration if they want, so they can just let themselves die. Um, but he's like, he's trying to stop it. But I think he's already regenerated. I think they're going to pull a trick because there was there was this whole thing in the last episode where Bill wasn't seeing herself as a Cyberman. She's refusing to believe she's a Cyberman. So all the way through the episode, you see her as she is because it's from her perspective and all this sort of stuff. So you see her as a human rather than as a Cyberman. Um, and I think the Doctor's already regenerating. He's refusing to accept it. 
And I think they'll just basically have the reveal be, what you want about, dude? You've already changed. Um, there's the new Doctor. They still haven't officially announced yet, but apparently it's that guy. They said his name. Can't remember his name. Who's the one who was in the BT adverts and used to be in... Oh, Chris Marshall. Yeah, that's apparently who the next Doctor is. No, that was the... that was a rumour. Yeah, that was the rumour. Yeah, I don't think it will be. Um, someone said... I can't remember who the lady was. Someone from some sort of comedy show. They would be insane. Um, I still think Julian Rin Tut would be amazing Doctor. I think he deserves more roles because he was really funny in Green Wing. <laughs> yeah, he was great in Green Wing. Yeah. I actually, um, I to be honest, from Green uh, from Green Wing, I wouldn't mind because um, Julian Matuck's the blonde. Yeah, you want yeah. Steve and Matt Fingy. Maybe. Or, he played Dirk Gently. Or even, uh, no, 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 not the guy who played Dirk Gently. He played Dirk Gently in the Dirk Gently TV series. Oh, yeah, series yeah, yeah in the BBC, BBC one. Yeah. yeah, which was actually not bad. Yeah. Um, no, I was actually thinking about um, who's the, the guy who's also in Spaced, played Brian. Oh, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah I yeah. think he'd be all right. Yeah. If he went back to like being Brian Skinny and being a little bit weird, he'd be good. Yeah. yeah. It's all guys, though. They want a girl doctor, and they've I established... I think a girl doctor would be good. Well, they, they established in the last series that Time Lords can change gender when they um tie, when they regenerate, and obviously Missy exists as well, but there was some confusion about whether or not she was exactly the same master that's always existed, but they confirmed it in this one. They, did, they had John Sim was back, the master from David Tennant's stories. Um, and they actually said this was the point where he regenerates into Missy. Um, Missy was really cool. Going to miss her. She got killed. Poor lady. Decided not to regenerate. Or did she? Yeah. We'll find out when they want to bring the master back again with no explanation of how it's happened. <laughs> they do that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they, they raised him from time in the Doctor Who movie. In the really? Yeah, in the one with Eric Roberts. They sent his time worm. Because he was a worm. He was like a little worm thing. That's all that's left of the master. And he possessed a guy. And they sent it for a time stream and stuff. Um, you know, Paul McCann. But yeah, this series of Doctor Who was a bit of a step up from the last one. And um, there's some really good like horror episodes. There was one where they're in a house that's like it doesn't. It's like this house where the rent's too good to be true. People, the students have rented this house and it's too cheap. And there's yeah. a creepy old man who just seems to turn up <laughs> and he won't let them go into the tower. But it turns out the entire house is made out of these alien louses that eat people. So it's essentially the version <laughs> of Rick and Morty's yeah. parasites. Yeah. So they just the entire house is made out of them. The guy's got his daughter away. He think, well, he says it's his daughter up in the bedroom, and she's like just all made of wood. Oh, like so the louses are basically eating people They're and like turning them into lice. the yeah, and turning them into the wood that makes the house and all this ah. sort of stuff. Um, it's a really weird horror episode. There was quite a few like that. Really good, like just horror focused, like a little bit of body horror. Yeah, and there wasn't really it. any like terrible episodes like there was in the last series. There was well, a couple yeah, of really bad series, ones. Two, the two parts from the beginning. Why? There was a two part in the middle of the last series with um, what's his face from friggin' um, League of Extraordinary Gent- League of Gentlemen. Um, can't remember his name. Little guy with short black hair. You know the one. The one who's um, who uh, came to the village at the start. Yeah, yeah. But um, there's a really bad one where there was ear, like. Got earwax monsters or something? I can't remember. Something yeah, stupid like that. Um, See, that's the thing. Doctor Who has always done like really sly, really PG body horror really well. Yeah. Stuff like, um, you remember the Doctor's daughter got turned into a cyber woman? No, she wasn't cyber. Doctor's daughter was, um, what's her face? River. She just flies off at the end. That's his wife. Is that his wife? Oh, River got turned into a cyber woman at one point. Um, no, she gets, um, she dies when she gets like strapped into a chair thing and can't. She was going to have to die in order to so they she doesn't get turned into a Cyberman. Who was the one? I think maybe the actress played the same, played a different character I don't know. in one of the series with David. No, actually, it might have been all the way back with um, Christopher Eccleston. Yeah, she became a Cyberwoman. Can't remember. 
Maybe it's like one of those things where they're like, you've met me before, Doctor. They introduced River Song in the um, an episode called... River Song. Not Silence. It's when they're in the library in a space uh, station. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. where they introduced her and they introduce her and she dies. Yeah, no, in and this one, spent she, the next played, 10 years she played like back. a right-wing leader who basically brought Cybermen Simon, into police England. Yeah, that's different. Yeah, it's not a good yeah. you remember You remember the same yeah. The episode, but she turns into a Cyberwoman at the end. Yeah. Yeah, that was, I think that was played by the same woman. No, no, it's not. It's not. Um, oh, thingy. maybe it's maybe it's that woman that I always think is on Blue Peter, but she wasn't. Same sort of thing, like curly hair and stuff. But can't remember, man. No, oh, they did have those short little what's her name? She used to be on all sorts of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She brought in the Slovene. I think you're thinking of maybe Slovene are the weird sausage-looking aliens. Yeah, um, maybe. But yeah, anyway, we interested yeah. to see what they redo though, because they brought back the Mondasian Sidemen. I'd like to see them give the Autons a rejig because I like the Autons. Yeah. They're the ones that look like mannequins. Okay. Um, they did that in the. Christopher Eccleston series which was a great episode yeah. they had like one CGI the, shot in the whole fucking episode yeah it looked terrible but yeah but the they, rest of it was really well they've got the CGI really good like the production quality on Doctor Who now is pretty yeah. top notch well it's because it doesn't cost as much as it did back then yeah no well apparently they spend a ridiculous amount of money on Doctor Who and the only thing that keeps it going is the toy sales apparently yeah. um but yeah I've, I've really like it I'm looking forward to the Christmas special now I like they did one complete series they didn't split it in half this year they just let it play through fully and not leave you with a pointless middle cliffhanger moment because that's become a trope now on TV shows, just do cliffhangers mid-season and stuff like that. And I just want to get on with it. Do the, do the story. But um, I like Bill. I hope she does come back in the next series. Like, Bill was a really good assistant. Because she was like East End Landon Town type girl, but not irritating like Catherine Tate was. And loads of people love Catherine Tate in Doctor Who. I couldn't stand her in that, in that series. I hear it in everything. Um, I want someone, like, if you're going to have like a London Town girl, have her be at least somewhat smart. Like her, Freema Goyman was really good in it as well for her series because she was like pretty intelligent and didn't really and understood the concepts. And Bill's sort of like that, like she's not super smart or anything, but she gets the concept the moment it's explained to her, and she figures it out herself. And she usually references some film, like you know, because she's got a wealth of sci-fi knowledge because she's a nerd. Um, but it was a really good series, and um, it's the last one with Stephen Potts' his face running it. Can't remember his name. Doing terrible names today. But um, yeah, it's his last one. New series has got a new showrunner and whatever. So it might be slightly different next year for New Doctor. Anyway, you review something, you okay. flaccid worm. So um, this month I bought a new game. Did you know? Yeah. Did you know? Yeah, I did. <sighs> Irresponsible uh, spending. I bought Dead by Daylight for the Ooh. Xbox One. Ooh. 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 Um, Dead by Daylight, if you don't know, is a four-on-one multiplayer game in which four survivor characters have to uh, have to restart generators in time to escape from a murderer played by a fifth player. No. Um, it's all very fun. It works fairly well. There are a few glitches, and it seems to take a hell of a lot of bandwidth to actually run well. Yeah. Um, but other than that... It's uh, pretty solid. It only costs 20 quid. Is that the one they did the Halloween DLC for? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the Halloween DLC isn't available on Xbox One. It's only available on PC for some reason. So I'm guessing mm. there's like an issue with licensing that wasn't around like a year ago when they did that. Yeah. Um, if you don't know, this has been all over YouTube. People have used it, like been playing it, sorry, for the last like two years. Yeah. And it's only, it's only yeah. just been released on Xbox One and PS4. <sighs> PS4 had a beta that Xbox One didn't. Apparently, yeah. Yeah. Um, but all in all, I, I really enjoy it for 20 quid. It's a lot of fun. I can see this being something that I crack out every few, every so often. It's cheaper than the Friday the 13th game. Well, Friday the 13th game is it's something I reviewed last time. Yeah. And um, 
I'm, like the problem is that Friday the 13th of the game was released broken it didn't have a quick game setting um, it didn't have a lot of stuff so to say sorry for that I thought it was released. a bit quick that came out after they did the kickstart and everything it seemed like it's only about a year two years was it? 2015 God, was yeah. it? blimey um, and they already had like concept and stuff sorted they already had yeah. some of the design done but anyway so yeah Friday the 13th was almost it was a broken game on release hmm. um, it, lots of things didn't work there's still a lot of issues with um, with bugs yeah um, and also it's just I think that the core concept is there but they'll need to continue tweaking it for the next year they should have done the whole early access thing yeah. first like Dead by Daylight did because it gives you a little bit of a get out clause well it means that it means you know like when yeah. someone buys something with early access they're essentially paying to be a beta tester for you mm. so any complaints they immediately go well it's not yeah. completely released yet yeah. and if they had done that they would have had a wealth of information they could have worked but I think that they were they were desperate to release it because this year there was meant to be a Friday the 13th film I don't know if you remember or you oh, knew yeah. this there was meant to be one released in the next three months and obviously that didn't happen but by the time that they knew that wasn't happening they'd mm. already set a release date yeah. So they could have pushed it back to do some extra work. Well, they could have said, "Look, here's a beta," whilst we fix stuff. But no, they didn't. They just released it, and it just doesn't. It doesn't really work very well. It's really hard to get into a game unless you've got a ton of friends that will have it. And looking at things, you'd think that everyone has it, but they don't. Different platforms, and it's not cross-platform. It's not any yeah. of that stuff. So it's kind of hard to start a game. So with the Xbox One, it's very easy because you just go to it. They have forums now called Game Hubs. Yeah. So you just go into the game hub and people know that you're about to play the game or you've loaded it up and you can they can see you're playing it and then they can invite you to games they're having and they'll have like restrictions that'll be like if you don't have a mic then you'll get kicked and so on and so forth. Um and you just sort of you play the game. But if that wasn't available, no one could play the game. There's yeah. no single player mode. Also the DLC that they've released for people to have because it's not working fully, as far as I'm I can see, I can't download the fucking thing. Either that or just I'm not getting the Nez Jason because I... I thought there was um, free update, that one. Yeah, yeah, there mm. was an update, but I can't find the skin anywhere. I can't <laughs> find any of the shit anywhere. Yeah. It's not an unlockable... I thought it was an unlockable at a higher level. I've now found out how I could scroll through the different level unlocks and it's not there. Yeah. So like you. what am I meant to do with that? I mean, it's only for Steam users. They're the superior ones. <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, it's just, it's a bit irritating. And again, they've been very vocal. They've been out there talking to people. They've made sure that people are aware of what's yeah. happening, what they're moving, what they're doing. Um, but it's just, come on, guys. A lot of people are paying 30 quid for this. Yeah. And I paid, paid what, 12, £12, $15, I think, mm. I backed it for. And and I mean, at £12, I'm not, not too pissed off. I'm a little bit pissed off because if I didn't have access to the game hub, I don't know how the fuck you'd play a game. You have to go onto a forum, find people that are playing at that, that moment in time, and then ask them to invite you to a fucking game. And they'd have to add you as a friend to send you the game invite. It's ridiculous, isn't it? Yeah. Whereas with this, at least at least Xbox has something. I don't know if PS4 has a similar thing. I haven't no. seen. No, I don't think so. I think, the, I think there is a way of joining. There's probably forum. Yeah, doing a forum. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, it's Dead great. Dead by Daylight was what you're talking about. Oh yeah, sorry. So Dead by Daylight. So sorry, I wanted to go back and talk about Friday the Thirteenth because I did review it last time. But Outrageous. Dead by Daylight is is a cheaper alternative to that. If you haven't got a PC, if you've been looking at this game on YouTube and you thought that looks fun, it is really fun. There's about six killers. Yeah. So you get about six killers, and then you get like nine survivors, and you can add perks and stuff. You get one use perks and shit that you unlock as you level up and stuff. Mm. And you just load them into your inventory and then you just go. Um, being a killer is more fun than being a survivor. It's a lot of more fun. Of course it is. Killing stuff is a lot of fun. Yeah. It's a lot more fun. Yeah. And I like baiting people. I found out that I might be a serial killer because I like baiting people a lot. You're saying you're a master baiter. Yeah. yeah. I'm a master builder. 
call Builder. Back, call back to Lego Movie. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, really, okay. it's just masturbating. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, all in all, 20 quid can't really go wrong. No. Yeah. You can get a disc copy for 24. That'll be disc- free on PS Plus one day, won't it? Yeah. Blatantly. Well, PS Plus is really fucking good. It's been good for the last two months. Got yeah, full, I need to download Until games. Dawn right now, don't I? Yeah. I need to do that. Until Dawn and uh, last month we had Killing Floor 2, which has yeah. only been out for a few months. Life is Strange as well. Life is Strange, complete series. This year, yeah, this month, so you got Game of Thrones, complete series. Yeah, there's always a Telltale game. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I um, I really recommend Dead by Dead. If you're looking, if you wanted to wait until Friday the 13th was fixed, but you really were desperate to play a game like this because Evolve got it so fucking wrong, I think that I was, I was mostly worried that this concept wouldn't work. Because yeah. there are a lot of games that were interesting that were trying to build on this concept, but Evolve sort of went, oh shit, and they fucked it. Evolve went giant monster and you spent half the game running back and forth trying to find the monster. Yeah. Yeah. Dead by Daylight's much more contained, isn't it? It's like yeah. a small I think, like, area. I think Evolve would have been a lot better if you just had like a big city and Blast Corp style jetpacks. <laughs> and you just had the monster tr- just trouncing the city and you had to stop it before it destroyed too much. <laughs> and you had just these Blast Corp style people that could fly up and they did different perks and stuff. Like they, one could freeze the monster for fifteen seconds, and the other one could could triple damage if they're in the vicinity of the other three. One of them's got like a fucking like a like a Ghostbusters style ray, you know, like shit like that. Like it just it's a basic concept that if you just asked someone that wasn't on the dev team what they'd like to see, you could have had a whole new game and it would have worked. Yeah, I mean, how good would that be? It'd be basically Godzilla Force. Yeah, it'd just be four people that were pro. Like, you could do an Earth Defense Force yeah. multiplayer mode. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Have a, that, yeah. have a meta to try and get a um, mecha robot built yeah. to fight it with. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So basically, as you evolve we'll up, you get, power a, you get a bigger mecha. Yeah. <laughs> do Power Rangers. You have to fight the putties on yeah. the floor while he's wrecking the city so you can build up the morphine energy to oh, summon your Zord. You, you can put your Zord in the background and have it fight for you whilst you defeat pu- yeah. putties to try and boost its level and stuff or boost its perks. And then, yeah. Or you could go inside of it and then just fucking go for it. Yeah. Just welly the thing. Yeah, like there are so many, like it's so easy to get someone. I know that, I know that when you're working with a team, they really love shit. Mm. So, like when you're working in a team, like you've got people that go, oh, this is our dream, this is our main concept. And if someone came in and they said, well, you know what, this this probably isn't going to work, guys, they would st- they'd be like, we've been working on this for four years. This is how the game is. This is how the game is. This is our dream. It'll be something stupid like the devs of Battlefield Bad Company deciding that, um, that conquest wasn't going to be in the game at all because rush is the mode now. Everyone loves rush mode, and then conquest was brought back in Battlefield Four. No, they um they did the beta for Battlefield Bad Company with rush mode, yeah. and all anyone would talk about was like, yeah, it's all right, but I can't wait to play conquest in the full game. And then we had about a month and a half to get conquest working before well, the, the game's about, released. The thing about rush was it was it was a tactic to make the maps bigger. It was a str- you just ran straight forward. It was a point. Yeah, but I know. But like every time you got to a point, the map yeah, would the map, expand. Yeah, it was just a loading. It's yeah. like a buffer. Yeah, sort of. Yeah, the, the maps were all loaded. Oh yeah, no, there the was actually the maps were all, the maps yeah. were all loaded. Sorry. You could run past if you turned off out of bounds. You could just run straight down yeah, to the end. As long as you, as long as you were focusing all your action, you yeah. just needed to generate the map. And if you weren't, there's generating- actually two maps on every map. Really? Yeah, every map. Um, you know, in that game, there was two deserts, two field ones, yeah. two white snow ones. Um, they basically both levels were loaded up at the whole time. Oh. It's just where it started, yeah. Like on Oasis, that linked to one of the other levels along there. Like, but yeah, that was that was the trick. You could you could turn off out of bounds and walk from one area to the next. Jeez. Yeah, you could see them if you certain places. Um, yeah, Conquest was not in Battlefield Bad Company until right before release. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, but yeah. So Dead by Daylight. I recommend it. I give it a Nick Cage of Vampire's oh. Kiss. Oh, Vampire's Kiss. Yeah, it's it's the wild card. 
of gaming. <laughs> like I think that it will really it will really meet someone's expectations and it will really fall below other people's. But for me, it just hits that nice sweet spot after playing Friday the 13th, the disappointment I felt. Because it's not a bad game, Friday the 13th. No. It could really work. But you need to be able to pick whether you want to play... The, the proper matchmaking yeah. stuff in there, don't they? You want to either... You, you want like this. You want to be able to pick if you want to play the killer or if you want to play a survivor. Hmm. But then just have it so that it links into... And then just have it so that the, the killer is like the catalyst for the lobby... And then the survivors just join in. Like every survivor that goes into quick game, yeah. they get put in. I think the survivors should just be able to hang out at Camp Crystal Lake or somewhere, and they can just get on with having a normal everyday. Oh, have like and a little. Then the guy turns have like up. Have a little life sim. Like you yeah. can get boost to your stats. You have to train the kids how to swim yeah. and stuff, and then night falls and it drops in Jason. Yeah, that'd be just nice. a random Jason. Oh, and, and the whole time yeah. Jason's picking where he's going to come out. And you might get through a night without Jason turning up. You might just have a night and you think, oh, he's going to turn up in a minute. How long would a night be, though? Not like, long. Half not hour? Too long. 20 minutes? Yeah. But you have like a night and it's just like, hey, Jason didn't turn up. Could he Was stalk he them from the outskirts? Yeah. Like, could he be there but just not stand, kill people? Stand in the Yeah, corner. just stand in the distance. Like like, like Slender Man. You could give him, like, you know, his warping thing. Yeah. Just have it so he could warp to another part and then he's like It's like, you know, maybe they'd be just like, no, nothing's happened. That was oh, nice. It could be a romance Tension. thing and they could have it so that he just randomly appears looking in the mirror but in the at window. some point you have to choose to go to sleep. And Jason could turn up. I like this. Yeah. See, this is a better game. This then is what I mean. Set it on a space station. This is what I mean. Like, yeah. <laughs> on a space station level. This is what I mean when I say that, like, it takes an outward. Is Jason X in it? No. That's the best Jason. I know. Um, with his nanotech sword. Yeah. yeah. It was a really yeah. good idea leaving that dead body on the nano machine thing. Yeah. That we established earlier could completely be built. Well, it's because of the weight of him. He hits it and collapses and it breaks yeah. open oh, one of broken. the nano. Yeah, yeah, it breaks open one of the nano canisters, but they somehow know how to repair him. An immortal yeah. monster, hell-bent on killing teenagers. Give a cool new mask. Yeah. It's a classic. It is. Jason X, brilliant film. It's pretty terrible. <laughs> it's work of art. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, your review. Um, my last review is Spider-Man Homecoming. Ah! Oh, it's really, really, really to good. It. Yeah, we're not allowed to. I so, haven't seen it. So no. um, Spider-Man Homecoming, I went to see the other day, and I really thoroughly enjoyed it. I wasn't expecting a massive amount from it, because, let's face it, how many Spider-Man films has there been now since 2001? We've had... This is the sixth Spider-Man film in about 15 years, isn't it? Thereabouts. Was it 2001, 2000? This 2002 Spider-Man came out, wasn't it? Because they had to cut out the Twin Towers sequence from the film. Yeah. Yeah, so it was after that. Um, so 15 years, we've had three Spider-Mans, and this is the third one. Um, third iteration. Yeah, and this is the one that ties into the Marvel Universe. I love that Sony just gave up on the Andrew Garfield ones. Yeah. They, they spent those films, those two films, just doing nothing but trying to establish a universe for Spider-Man and failing miserably because the whole thing they tried to present as a mystery box it's like ooh what's this there's going to be a mystery coming what did Peter Parker's parents do what were they working on there's a secret underground laboratory just make one fucking film yeah and then at the end of the second one friggin what's his face is the bad guy uh, whatever his face is I don't know his name he walks through a room where they've got villains origin stories all yeah. set up in jars um, but this one is a lot better it does all its reference into bigger world spider-man stuff really subtly yeah um like they like the basic story is that vulture who's got a really good background he's probably the best villain marvel have had so far still bald though yeah no he's got he's got he's got crazy hair for a little bit and he gets his hair cut at some point i did notice that it's not during the time jump because you see his origin eight years earlier and then um it has raised questions about when the first avengers film took place because it doesn't this is set two months after civil war but eight years after the avengers but in Avengers, in in Civil War, Thaddeus Ross explicitly says, you guys have been running around for four years with all the superpowers. 
which Avengers came out in 2012. So that would have been 2010, because Iron Man came out in 2006. 2009 would have been... they If this is supposed to be set, like, early 2006, late 2016, Avengers would have had to have happened in, like, 2008, 2009. Mm. Yeah, it doesn't time up right. I think they were meant to put six years or something. Oh, okay. I think they messed up. But um, anyway... Um, it's got one of the best, like, the first 20 minutes is, like, brilliant. I loved it. Um, you get a little backstory with Vulture. He's mm. basically part of the crew that's cleaning up all the alien stuff after the incident. Yeah. And the government comes in, tells him to get lost and give what they've scrapped, collected up so far to him. Yeah. Um, and then a little bit later, you see he's, like, straight after that, they're at their house and at their base. And they're all like, what are we going to do? The business isn't going to last if we don't have this job. And they realise they've accidentally kept hold of a, a pallet of... Um, like alien stuff. Yeah. And one of the guys who works with him is a bit of an inventive type. Who's He's the tinkerer, but they don't call him that in the film. Because Marvel seems to be prone to not calling the villains by their villain names. Yeah. Um, they sort of obviously can't have a plan over the years to sell these as weapons on the streets and get alien weaponry on the streets. Which has kind of been brought up in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. in the Netflix series. There's been alien-based technology, haven't they? They had that gun in um, the Judas gun yep. in Luke Cage. But this is a bit more flashy and explosive. Well, the Judas, the Judas bullets, gun bullets. was just the metal. It's the bullets, wasn't it? They drilled in and... Yeah, like it was just metal. They used yeah. the alien metal. Yeah. It reacted weird to the gunpowder. But if yeah. you watch the short movies, there is yeah. one where... Um, There's one off the Avengers where a couple have got one of the alien yeah, guns. They they've tried basically, to hold they've, yeah. rigged, they've rigged a battery to the trigger yeah. so that it circumvents a DNA lock so they mm. can fire the gun and they go on sprees, yeah. like heists and stuff. This one's yes. like he's got a gang just selling stuff. One of them's he's um he calls himself the shocker and he's got a gauntlet that like goes pff, knocks yeah. people flying with electric gauntlet. Yeah. Um he gets obliterated and killed. Oh really? By Vulture. Oh. And then Vulture just gives the gauntlet to another shocker. Oh. Nice. <laughs> it's, like, it's funny though, he picks up a gun and he fires it and the guy just disintegrates and he's like, Wasn't that the gravity gun? Yeah. I've heard that there's like <laughs> there's a lot of humour in there. Yeah. Like even scenes like Oh that. god, the opening that first Spider-Man sequence because yeah. he's like it starts off with him being at school and he's trying to be an ordinary kid there's like you get the video camera bit where he's like showing what happened during Civil War yeah, yeah, yeah. And his like day first, and when like he got his costume and all that yeah, yeah. Um, and then he's having his day at school and he's trying to get hold of Happy Hogan and he wants a job because he's desperate to be asked by Tony Stark to go do some bigger thing and fight some bigger villains Yeah, but Stark's scared just you know just be a friendly neighbourhood Spider-Man for a while Yeah. Um but his first, when he goes out as Spider-Man on his day, he's doing his like, it's like his paper round. He call, he tells everyone he's on the Stark, um, pro, you know, Stark scholarship. Yeah. But really it's him going out Spider-Man in around town and then reporting back at the end of yeah. what happened. But he's like running around. There's all this stuff like where he um, stops a guy he thinks is breaking into a car and he just like webs the guy to the car and smacks his head on it. Yeah. And he's like, don't worry, I've saved it. And he's like, this is my own car, man. <laughs> I'm going to get into it. And everyone starts screaming and shouting because the car alarm's going off and all this. Yeah. Um, you see him, he's on top of a building, sort of stood around, and he's like playing around, just like spraying web about and stuff. Yeah. And some guy on the street down at the hot dog stand is like, hey, you that spider guy? And he's like, yeah, do a backflip. And he like, does a backflip and he's like, yeah. <laughs> um, there's all sorts of cool stuff like that, just really silly, dumb little fun humour. Um, freaking Michael Keaton's superb in it. Like, yeah. He always, he doesn't half arse it. He's, no, Michael he's usually the best thing in anything he's yeah. in. Yeah. Like, look at Need yeah. for Speed. Yeah. He's just cameo and he's fucking great. Yeah. But he's like, 
he's got a really good backstory because he's just trying to make money for his family. It's kind of it's swelled up to the point now where he's making guns for all people all over America and things. Yeah. Like, or at least in the New York, Washington, DC area. Yeah. Um, but all the little references to other stuff in Spider-Man, there's things like um, Donald Glover's character is Aaron Davis, I think it was, who's um, the Prowler in the Ultimate Universe, who is Miles Morales' uncle. Dum -ba -bum, tiny little reference. He mentions he's got a nephew and he doesn't want these crazy alien weapons on the streets. So they've like they've tied in that Miles Morales might exist in this universe a little bit, which is quite nice. Um, Mac Gargan appears in it. Doesn't say anything until the po a post credit scene, but he's played by Michael Mando, who's like perfect for Mac Gargan because mm. you want someone who's like who like is intense, a little bit intense and a little bit sort of angry and can be terrifying. And I want to see him in a scorpion costume now, like going around. Um, it avoids hitting all the tropes that other Spider-Man films have done. Because you remember Amazing Spider-Man 1 feels like the biggest waste of time ever. Because half the film is just going over stuff we've already gone over before. Um, this one doesn't have Jane, 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 uh, J. Jonah Jameson's not in it. There's no, with great power comes great responsibility. There's no. no explaining how he got his superpowers and all this. There's literally a throwaway line where he's like, the spider's dead, Ned. Look, okay, just stop asking about the spider. Um he talks about he, there's a line where he just mentions how Aunt May's been through so much recently and that's it and you know that means Uncle Ben you know the guy who makes all the rice has died yeah. um, and it's just like it doesn't treat you like an idiot it knows that you know Spider-Man by now you've seen it rebooted enough times already anyway mm. um, and they do the right thing they make Peter Parker's life is shit like he's, he's the guy who gets bullied at school and mocked and people make fun of him and he's not the cool kid at all and he's only got one friend and Peter Parker's life can't be good. Like, for Spider-Man to work, you have to sort of feel some familiarity with Peter Parker's side of life. So when he's Spider-Man, that's like the sort of hero projection. Like, yeah. you want to be Spider-Man. You don't want to be Peter Parker. Yeah. You, you, you like, you recognise Peter Parker's plight, but you want to be like Spider-Man. Yeah. And that's the thing the Andrew Garfield films did so bad, is that Peter Parker in that film is amazing at everything and has tons of friends and he's great and he skateboards into his... Yeah. Thing and every time he does something that hurts someone else, it's their fault, not his. Yeah. And it's just like a continuing cycle in those films. There's actually one. There's one scene in The Amazing Spider-Man that felt like a Spider-Man scene, yeah. and that was you know where there's that guy that is trying to steal a car. Yeah. And Andrew Garfield just sort of basically webs him about. Oh, he's him. He doesn't around. punch him. Yeah. Doesn't you know? Doesn't use his. I don't think this Spider-Man throws a punch at all in in Homecoming. Really? I think everything he does is webs and. Yeah. And he stops a guy stealing a bike by sticking a web to his chest. Can you hold this one? He sticks it on his chest and springs him up. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The web bombs are <laughs> yeah. cool. I like and that. then leaves a note on the bicycle. Yeah. <laughs> um, which comes up later. It's a little reference that keeps popping up through the huh, film. Because nice. they're like, yeah, you can't just go around. You're just like, all you're doing is going around stopping petty crimes and leaving notes on things. Yeah. And he leaves a note at the end. It's funny. Yeah. Um, I've heard that I've heard that there's like a redeeming arc for... Um, for Michael Keaton. Yeah, sort of. It's like his only like post credit scene that makes yeah. you think that he's... No, I mean he's obviously like the Vulture did like help Spider-Man, yeah, like yeah. in the like the comics. Well, they all did. Yeah. Like even like Doc Ock was I, helping. Spider I would kind of like the idea if they did build towards the Sinister Six that he's the member of the team that doesn't. That sort of he's in the Sinister Six, but he kind of doesn't necessarily want to hurt Parker. He's just kind of in it because that's where his life is now. Because it kind of sets up this whole idea that he doesn't want his family around and all this sort of stuff after he's messed up. And um, there's an amazing tense scene in it. Like without spoiling anything or anything, but it's just it takes a sequence that's quite recognisable for a lot of high school students going to the um, high school homecoming dance or whatever, 
um, and the nervousness around it and all this sort of stuff. And it turns it into one of the most tense series of scenes ever. And it's not just one scene. It like plays out for about 10 minutes yeah. of sustained tension. Um, people will talk about that sequence because it's Michael Keaton just like switching the light on and turning from being one sort of character to another sort of character and being genuinely threatening, which doesn't happen in Marvel films. They always, they always sort of like, you can be a bit threatening, but not too threatening. Like they don't want to make things too bad. But Guardians of the Galaxy did that as well. Guardians of the Galaxy like had a villain that was actually compelling and had an interesting, in the second one, I mean, um, like they had a really compelling, interesting villain who lived up to his name. His whole plot was built around his ego. And it was like, he had some of the best moments in that film. And I think they're definitely trying to make better villains now in some of their newer ones. Like, especially if it's Guardians of the Galaxy, is a, two is a sign of what they're going for now. So they seem to be letting the directors do their own thing a bit more. Like, set up their own their own takes on this. Um, but yeah, it's Spider-Man Homecoming's great. I, like, I could easily see some people calling it their best Spider-Man film. I would probably put it just behind Spider-Man 2, because that film's a masterpiece. Yeah. And... Um, like, because that that film is Sam Raimi unleashed. It should have been subtitled that. <laughs> like that film is like Sam Raimi going, "Hey, you know all those tricks I did in Evil Dead and stuff like that over the years. I'm going to do them with a hundred fifty million dollar budget now." Yeah. Um. But this one's like it feels like it's made by people who care about Spider Man universe. They work in references to stuff without it being nodding and winking. Like okay. most people are going to see Donald Glover's character and not put together that he's Miles Morales' uncle. Oh, is that who he plays? That's what I just said a minute ago. Oh, sorry. Paying attention. He's Aaron Davis, the Prowler. Oh, yeah. yeah. God fucking hell, yeah. That's me yeah. being fucking blank. After all the Ultimate Marvel I read, yeah. I didn't fucking hear Aaron And it does Davis. feel more like the Ultimate Marvel universe. Like, it's, Oh, does it? Yeah. It's, like I say, it's less reliant on like the tropes of Spider-Man, this one. So There's... that means that Donald Glover's going to be going to be like basically Black Panther Light in the, <laughs> yeah. in the Miles Morales because he becomes a good guy as well yeah he's the yeah he's like basically he starts off as like a cat burglar and he starts yeah. stealing stuff from what is it Exxon yeah yeah he starts stealing stuff from he's Exxon he's already established in Marvel as well so oh yeah. yeah there you go so yeah what I like about the Exxon Industries is like it's less Google versus Apple hmm. it's more like Apple versus itself yeah because <laughs> they eventually buy out Stark Corp yeah Stark, um, Stark Incorporated and uh, also um, Hammer Tech yeah and then they they just start basically fighting against themselves. And it's all because the Kingpin runs Exxon at one point, but then yeah. he's also running um, Hammer Industries. But the, the board of directors run Stark Tech. <laughs> so his idea is, if I if I go to you, you guys will get X amount if you can beat them to the punch of making this. And they made the shoddy version, which is why you've got Venom and Carnage. Yeah, Exxon were responsible for Venom. Mm. I think this is right. God forbid if I'm wrong on this one. Um, in, the, but, in the Ultimate Universe, though. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Because yeah. he was a attempt to cure cancer, wasn't yes, he? The, yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. Carnage was so, like the messed up. Well, no, version. Carnage was like the the Chinese version, basically. Yeah. So they they made they made Venom, and then in an attempt to make a cheaper version that was easier to market, they yeah. accidentally made Carnage, yeah. which is awesome. That's how it. That's I always think Venom and Carnage they should stop there. Yeah. That's all because well, all the anti, other ones. Anti Venom was interesting, yeah, but it didn't really, it didn't really work. I'm not too keen on Venom being a uh, secret agent either. Yeah, <laughs> the nonsense that they've done. Well, with actually, Venom see, here's like the weird thing about Venom as a secret agent. They needed, they wanted to bring back Flash Thompson, hmm. but they didn't want Flash Thompson to be um, you. You're the best, Spidey. You're great. They wanted him to like be a proper character. Yeah. So they had his legs removed in war, so he lost both his legs in the war. Uh-huh. And then the Venom symbiote was basically like a prosthetic. Yeah. They made it into a really advanced prosthetic that gave him his legs back, and so they could use him as a soldier again against supervillains. Yeah. Um, the problem was that he started becoming addicted to the, to the Venom symbiote, 
And then it turned out that the Venom symbiote was like an incomplete, like it's almost like an infant version of a symbiote. Because yeah. it takes a certain maturity. Like they, when they're on their planet, they mature naturally by bonding with another symbiote. Yeah. So there's like a smaller version that bonds and then that makes them complete. Um, so he had the arc where it was revealed that Venom was only insane because of that. And then when they finally got that, he became the true Venom. And then he wasn't insane anymore. It was just a suit. Yeah. And he could use it all the time without any of the repercussions. Hmm. Um, but it was like lower power level. Yeah. Because it it was almost like the Green Lantern ring. It was it was like run by Will. Yeah. So whatever he could imagine, it could happen. Now it's like it has a temporal paradox hole that can drag weapons out and like... And he has They made strength. him spawn. Yeah. Like shit version of spawn. Yeah. But it's he's... No, but I like him. I like He's with the Guardians of the Galaxy now, which makes yeah. sense because he's an in, in intergalactic entity. See, the thing is, I've always think Venom should just be a villain. He's simple. Yeah, he was for a long time. He was essentially yeah. Spider-Man's Hulk. And he should drive a truck and go honk, honk, honk <laughs> on the truck. But, but um, I, Carnage yeah. is a better villain. Yeah. Because Carnage Max is... thing is a crazy He's person. a better character. Yeah, he's terrified. Because he's just, yeah, he's Jack yeah. the Ripper. Yeah. But with a machine gun. It was the whole thing where he um, started a town and became mayor of a town or something like that and he made everyone start killing each other. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, he, he can't do anything without murdering something. Yeah. Um, there was a great, there was a great storyline. They want to do the Venom film now, don't they, with Tom Hardy? Yeah, and I can't imagine like them not having this be part of the Marvel universe overall, because they've been a bit, I mean, they've sort of been a bit sort of flaky about whether or not this Venom film is going to be part of the Spider-Man universe, mm. and you can't have Venom without Spider-Man. I would like for it to be a version of Flash Thomas that grew up before Spider-Man. Mm. I think Spider-Man's cool. It's not going to be. It's going to be Thingy, isn't it? Eddie Brock. Tom Hardy's playing Eddie Brock. Oh, yeah. so it's just going to be a straight up villain stuff. Yeah, but he's going to be the anti-hero Venom. Because he was an anti-hero for a while. There was the whole yeah. Venom's comic series where he went off to San Francisco, I think it was. And yeah. Of course, Venom went to San Francisco. Big bulging biceps. People love him down there. I would prefer it if they did. But you can't do Venom without Spider-Man. No. Like, it makes no sense. It's, well, maybe... That if, would be like having a if they had Mario Brock without Mario. Film. If they had one Eddie Brock film... Yeah. And then at, at least the do the next Spider-Man film and have like something to do with the symbiote in it. Yeah, but so I don't have, want to have him be just a villain. So have him be <laughs> a villain in this one, hmm. but have him battle the Venom symbiote. I can imagine like Peter Parker going to work for the Daily Bugle and having Tom Hardy being like really angry at him and threatening him and bullying him at the job yeah. because this Peter Parker's tiny little man and Tom Hardy's muscle. Yeah, he's massive. Muscly, yeah, if you were like a seventeen-year-old kid and you went to work at a newspaper taking photos, and Tom Hardy was bullying you and getting in your face, yeah, you would shit yourself. John Hamm should play. And then he Eddie gets Brock. the symbiote costume, and he thinks, "Hey, I could slap him about a little bit." Yeah, and then I don't think I don't think Spider-Man should get the symbiote costume. No, it doesn't really work anymore. That was a very nineties thing. Yeah, I think that it should just be that um, Eddie Brock wants to have what Peter's got. He wants to be able to take the pictures. So it's like the original... Do you remember how Venom originally came about? Yeah, the symbiote costume. Symbiote... No, no, no. Like, Spider-Man gets rid of it and like Venom gets ages, angry. Ages and ages ago, where it was basically um, Eddie Brock got the symbiote costume, but it wasn't really the symbiote. It was just him pretending to be Spider-Man taking pictures of himself to try and beat mm. Spider-Man out. And he was doing, like, criminal things. The original one, Spider-Man gets the symbiote costume. He rejects it because it starts making him, like, be too dangerous. Is it the comedian he figures I'm out- thinking of? Possibly, I don't know. There but was like he, a storyline where there's a black costume. He gives up the cost. He gives up the symbiote costume, and the symbiote's yeah. like, um, he gets rejection, anger. He yeah. feels like he's been rejected by Peter Parker, so he hates him. And Eddie Brock hates Peter Parker, and they just kind of mash together, and their hatred for Peter Parker hmm. manifests 
and that's how you get Venom. I always thought the Venom thing started with yeah. the, the black suit, so it wasn't initially... He got the black suit symbiote. after um, going into space. Yeah. And then there's Cosmic Spider-Man, which is silly. Yep, um, and Spider-Man 2029. 20, that's 2029 20, Spider-Man's cool. <laughs> but anyway, Spider-Man Homecoming's really, really good. Like, some people hate it, which is weird. I don't know if they're missing something, but I thought it was a really well-plotted-out-paced story has some genuinely human moments in it, has got a heart in it, it's got one of the most intense sequences any of these films has. A finale that's like big but doesn't it's not world threatening and they make it feel like a a big deal for him. Yeah. It's a personal thing. He's he's got a personal uh, thing to accomplish in the finale. Um and there's some nice little nods and references and Easter eggs and cameos and like all this sort of stuff. But it doesn't feel forced. It feels like a natural Spider Man film that exists within the Marvel universe. Um, it's quite good. You watch it. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, what are you going to review? Your last review. Uh, so my Got last review. Five minutes. <laughs> my last review this week is uh, going to be. You didn't even think about it. Well, that's the end of the episode. No, 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 no. no I did watch something. I'm just trying to recall what the fuck I watched because I watched all of it so that I could review it. Oh, you idiot! I know. Fucking idiot! Did you oh. watch Glow? Yeah, I did watch Glow, but it wasn't Glow. I'll review Glow. Fuck it, because I Have can't you remember anything. Yeah. Uh, um, so it, yeah. Glow is Glorious Ladies of Wrestling it's uh, Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling Gorgeous Ladies yeah, established in 1980 established something, in 1980 Max, like Max Marin Mark Marin plays a comedian yeah. uh, he plays a coked out film producer who directs yeah. cheap B-movie horror films uh, who gets tasked by a young man I can't remember the name of him he's like he's been a cameo in a lot of things yeah um, God what is his name Anyway, never fucking mind. Um, who gets together this group of women, they're all in various stages of life and all doing different things and all for different reasons have joined to audition for Glorious Ladies of Wrestling. Glam, glam, gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling. Yeah. Um, Anson Brie plays one of them and there's a few other people in there that are you know, semi-famous. Um, and it, it's all their story. Those people going for whatever their background is to become wrestlers. It's just a new black of wrestling. No, it's not. <laughs> no, it's not. That's a terrible comparison, in fact. It should be. A bunch of ladies... Um, punching each other in the first couple of episodes we see that Alison Brie has a sometimes partner that she's trying to keep secret we find out in a the tag team partner or a boyfriend boyfriend oh fucker oh. Um, we find out that that person's actually her best friend's husband and this has been going for a little while um, oh. she doesn't know why she's doing that but it's like a self-destructive thing you know. It sounds like a far too complex storyline for wrestling. Yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> so um, Mark Maron plays a guy, he cuts people, he gets people into the matches and he's, he just he generally comes up with like concepts and ideas behind characters and they naturally... It's, all, it's, it's a lot lighter than it seems in the first few episodes, basically. The yeah. whole thing, the whole concept is very light, it's very fun um, whilst it's happening, but they have their own reasons for doing what they do and they have their own storylines and backgrounds. There's no mm. Orange is the New Black style flashbacks. No, no, no. Um, and there's a lot of a lot of people just doing shit because they're out there facing some coke and not because they're thinking about it was what the they're 80s. doing. Yeah, it was the eighties. I mean, if they really want to show wrestlers out there facing coke, they should do a biopic about early days of WWF. I just have Hulk Hogan stand in an office one day and just. Now, do you mind I, if I do Iron some Sheik. coke? Do you mind if I do some coke? Now, Hulk, Hulk Hogan was pretty clean living. It was um, Iron Sheik and Hacksaw Jim Duggan were the ones it? who really loved their cocaine. And Chris Benoit. <laughs> Chris Benoit wasn't a druggie. Well, apart from the prescription painkillers, that was his problem. And steroids. And the constant 
steroids. No, the constant brain damage that basically made him insane. No one gets as big as they were in the in the eighties without. Yeah, he was on steroids. Yeah, of course. He was. <laughs> but I'm saying what messed him up. <laughs> I'm saying it wasn't just what messed him up was that his brain was basically mush. Yeah, his brain was that peach inside of a glass yeah. full of water. When's that Benoit film going to happen? It's supposed to be directed by um, what's her face? Who's the one who did Punch the Walls? Eh? Her. Oh, um, the Polish lady. Yeah, I can't remember her name. She gets yeah. angry on the internet a lot. Yeah, I like that lady, though. <laughs> Lexi Alexander. There you go. I like yeah. her. Anyway, Glow. Anyway, yeah, so Glow. Um, yeah, it's a lot more complex than it seems. Hmm. It's not an out-out comedy. No. There's some drama in there. You couldn't do that. Um, the story around Glow is like there's some Darkish seedy stuff shit. and yeah. things going on. It's still, the show itself is actually really fun. Yeah. Like, it's worth watching sometimes because it is really... It's like, because WF at the time was obviously massive budget wrestling, yeah. and this is like a really tiny low budget imitator yeah. trying to copy it, and it's kind of interesting to watch the old glow. The storylines seem interesting as well, because I've read some of the stuff up on it. Yeah. Um, one of the nice things about Netflix, Netflix mm. never just release one thing and then they go, look, this is what it was. Mm. They always seem to get a documentary to come out around the same time. Yeah. Like, when they released a lot of the Canon films... They released them because they released the documentary, yeah. yeah, Electric Boogaloo. And like this, they've released this, but they've also released a 2015 documentary on Glow. Oh, nice. That basically outlines what really happened. And and I like it. Like I like that that model for business because it's it's almost like um, it's almost like what you'd expect from a court case. Yeah. You get like the defence and you get the yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, the series it's not completely like there are a couple of things. I have issues with Mark Maron is clearly a highlight because he's a comedian he's a smart guy there's a few really fucked up scenes that he's in that are actually really fucking funny and really sad at the same time I know a couple um, I know um, what's his name oh Johnny Nitro John Morrison Johnny Mondo whatever his name is these yeah. days he makes a cameo in it yeah. he's fun I like him he's in it yeah, yeah he's, um, a, he's a dumb a few, a few professional wrestlers actually make a yeah. cameo in it and they're really good they're really yeah. poppy like it's almost like you know they're getting a chance to do something that they would have been a part back in the day. Yeah. And they're nice. They, they're not really played for too many laughs either, which is cool. Mm. Um, probably the guy that steals the show the most is the completely coked up financier yeah. who's helping to produce it. He has so many scenes and like, he has like, he has a friend named Fleur who does loads of random shit for yeah. him. Again, he looks like one of the Smosh kids. He may be one of the Smosh kids. I don't know. Probably. But, um, <laughs> They're he... everywhere. They're like an infection, man. You turn over <laughs> any part of the internet and they just appear. appear. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he uh, he has like just some nice comedic moments where it's like... And there's and there's other bits as well. Like he's a coked out madman who has this massive house and all this shit. And of course he has a robot that has like a tray that pops out and it's, yeah. it's got joints and lines of coke sorted and pills. <laughs> well, like um, um, Paul Rudd's cabinet of um, aftershave. Yeah, 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 a bit like that. But it's just a robot that goes yeah. around the house and if Black they... pound for 60% of the time it works every time. Yeah. But there's a great scene in which these la- these women have been following the robot around and every yeah. so often they knock on it to get the drugs to come down. They do some of the drugs and then it pops back up and then when it pops down it's got fresh dispensed drugs. <laughs> so like, where are they coming from? It's magic. <laughs> Um, but that robot plays into it later because um, oh, Brooke Hogan appears in it apparently yeah. in one episode yeah. I think she plays one of the people at the uh, final thing Amber Fredrickson but anyway so yeah. yeah so all in all Glow's it's a good series it's not one of Netflix's best It's I mean there's a really fucking shoehorned in abortion thing that doesn't need to happen it but was... it's clearly going to come back in season two because yeah. of the drama between the two women that are involved and the reason why it happened there is a really sincere like, um, in the first few episodes, Mark Maron's painted almost as a villain. Yeah. And there's a really sincere discussion about miscarriage and how that how that affected a couple and how that affected a relationship and friendship. Hmm. But 
you know, that's glossed over. And that's almost glossed over because, you know, it has to, to progress the plot, plot but not not just that Mark Maron deals with it at that moment. He says, yeah. you're going to do some fucked up shit and you're going to see some fucked up shit and you're going to say some fucked up shit and it's going to hurt you. And the only reason that we can get anything out of this is if you use that pain and you make it your character, you make it part of who you are in this. And what I want from you is I want the best fucking actor I've ever worked with. Can you do that? I also want you to coach these fucking guys. I'll pay you double for doing it because you're playing double duty, but you understand what I'm saying. And she's like, yeah, fuck it, I agree. For the money, for this, I agree. And then her husband joins in. He moves into the like complex, the compound where they all live. Yeah. And he's just like randomly there all the time. And he's so fucking funny. There's like a scene where they're all watching one of Mark Maron's shitty old films. And he's on the sofa like eating popcorn. He's like, damn, they're going to get it. <laughs> Shit, he's behind you. And they're nice. all just like, who are you? He's like, oh, I'm her. They make new footage of the films. Did they actually use his. I don't think they used his actual thing. films. I think that they name uh, a few of them. So I don't know if yeah. they're the actual. But uh, yeah, it's. it's uh, yeah, there you go. Um, it's all right. I give it like Keanu Reeves. Yeah. I need to watch it. I haven't watched it yet because just... I haven't watched Master of None series too. Oh, fuck. That Jesus. was good. That was yeah. fucking great. There's an Let's episode on that, that that I think you'll love as well. Yeah. It's the one I spoke about before where it's three stories in one episode. Is it where he goes wrestling? No. No. Maybe we should watch the Always Sunny in Philadelphia wrestling episode. Yeah. <laughs> That's a classic. <laughs> that is a fucking great episode. So. Yeah. Cricky, you are right. Oh, shit. Must have had an edge on it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Glow. Yeah. You need to watch it. You're dumb. Yeah. Nice. Well, that's episode 68. The almost sexiest episode of Chris Apocalypse ever. Next episode will be the sexy episode. Well, that was kind of sexy. Uh, These robes are working wonders for my gangrene. No, you're calling it back. is being a circle for the narrative. Yeah. It? Yeah. I think I'm going to have to... I think that our new sponsor is going to be unhappy with with how little we've spoken about the Christian church. Which one? Which Christian church? Well, it's it's the Christians of Christendom. Ah. Latter-day Christians. Ah. Of Judaeum. 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 Mm. As in Judaeum. It's a lot of religions. You said there was Latter-day Christians. Which... Is it the Latter-day Christians? Said originally, oh, yeah. shit, I'm sorry. We've, the... got, we've actually got two sponsors. Yeah. Oh, we've okay. got the Satanic Church of non-Christendom, Christendom. And then we've got the Latter-day Church of Christendom based on Christendom. All hail Donald Trump, leader of the KKK slash babyfucker. So should I just end the episode now? Maybe. I mean, I don't really know. You can find yeah. me on Twitter at, at CritApocalypse. You can find Anne at LV54SpaceMonkey. If you do have any legal disputes you'd like to levy against us, you can email those to us at Twitter. Yes. Can you get documents on Twitter? No, I don't know. Maybe. No, maybe you can. Um, if you are representing Donald Trump, I don't know, lawyer up. I don't know. <laughs> I'm sure we'll find some witnesses. How much can they really have paid him off? I don't know, man. <laughs> oh, God, if he's had them all killed. <laughs> Trump Tower's built on the skeletons of babies. Well, he keeps the children from him. Well, that's how you explain Eric and Donald Jr. Yeah. And uh, what's the other one? The little kid? Do you think they agreed to do Home Alone thinking it was a documentary about a boy being <laughs> No, that he he guaranteed he would not let them use the Trump Tower for Home Alone two unless he got to appear in the film in a cameo, in a key part. He told oh, him in a where, key part. yeah, he told him where the entrance was. Where the no, foyer was see that you didn't read the line. It said in a key party yeah. with Kevin. Ah, right. You missed out the Y the and then the, the with Kevin. So he puts them in a bowl. It's yeah. only his and Kevin's key. 
Pixar goes, yeah, it's quite easy to get Kevin's keys because it's for a little tyke's ride on car. It's a big giant plastic one. Lucky me. Yeah. Turn off the fucking voice machine. <laughs> the talk boy. Yeah, turn off the fucking talk boy. And then that's when Macaulay Culkin Say your doing prayers, heroin. you filthy animal. <laughs> yeah, boy. Pray. Yeah. <laughs> Donald right. Trump, eh? Yeah, you're, you're fucking done. Fucking kids. Done, you're fucking, President right. Trump. Kid fucker. You didn't do quotation marks around president. They can't tell I'm not doing quotation marks. You can hear it. Can you? Yeah, it comes out in the mic. Do you think that if he took us to court, he'd wear the KKK outfit underneath his suit like Spider-Man? Oh, he'll just have us killed. Yeah, he's just like, well, what will happen? It'll be like Spider-Man. We're like, oh, God, there's black people with rights outside. Oh. <laughs> and he'll start doing his shirt and run out and then trip up and kill himself. Because he's a fucking useless old fucking crap. He just a run. cunt. He's just a fucking idiot, isn't he? He's a cunt. He's a fucking stupid American cunt. A racist fucking idiot who fucking believes the fucking world's flat and all the other shit that people fucking tell him because he's a fucking moron. You didn't. He's not good at business. You know what he's good at? He's good at fucking attractive women with his dad's fucking money because he's been rich since birth. No matter how many times he fucks up, his dad's going to burn him out because his dad's trying to hide some fucking sordid shit in his, his own dad's past. dad's dead. Is his dad dead? Yeah. Is his dad dead? Oh. Yeah. Oh. Did he when... die from like falling down a fucking lift? Lift yeah. shaft with some, bullets. some bullets. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> No, when he died, um, all the, so apparently Donald did something that screwed basically his brother out of a whole bunch of the oh, money. Oh yeah, no, no, you know, you know, yeah, the there's a whole Trump... thing where he stopped funding his nephew's yeah um, medication because he's autistic, not autistic. He's got some horrible disability, and Donald yeah. Trump just fucking stopped his yeah injury. because his brother brought a bit of land he wanted or something. Yeah. Because yeah. Donald Trump's a cunt. He's yeah. a fucking stupid American cunt, isn't he? And then he? his sons um, stole money from a charity. Yeah. a charity. Well, he's stealing money from a charity. He used it yeah. to pay off his lawsuits. Yeah. He's a fucking cunt. He's yeah. a stupid American cunt. All the fucking idiots Why out there. Why are you using gendered insults? All of a sudden. All the idiots out there. Well, it's not gendered. It's a swear word. In the UK, yeah. it's a swear word. Regardless of gender, it's a swear word with a great C and a T. I don't care if someone thinks that it's establishing that somehow it's relying on, you know, fucking someone's genitalia. It's not. A cunt is a pregnant fish. And a horse. A, a, a seahorse is a fish that gets pregnant so fuck yourself male one gets pregnant fuck yourself anyway Donald Trump's a cunt what the fuck is wrong with people why would you vote for him what the fuck is wrong with everyone you racist twats well, th- who the fuck do you think you are that you can vote this fucking stupid old white man into power and you say it's because someone had fucking emails oh my email's been hacked like 16 times and you're fucking what are you going to do about it you fucking stupid fucking cunts Idiots. Sorry, in the episode. No, Donald Trump's a cunt. Isn't he a cunt? Do you think he's a cunt? I think he's a fucking cunt. He's an absolute cunt. President Donald J. Trump is a cunt. A baby fucking murdering cunt. Fuck you, you stupid fucking bollock licking piece of shit. Fuck you and your KKK and your fucking stupid fucking family. Your kids all look like they're fucking Nazis. And you're a fucking twat, you bald cunt. His two oldest sons look like Beavis and Bayard. Honestly, right? Honestly. Americans are idiots. Why the fuck did they vote that man into power? Um, oh, yeah, no, shit, I forgot. It's because all the Muslims are terrorists, even though fucking most of the shootings are done by white people. Oh, shit, is that controversial? No, it's not, because white people are fucking committing most of the crimes, and they turn around and they say, oh, black people, black violence, all this shit. No, sorry, just because you put a word in front of man doesn't mean that that man is the one who committed the crime. White cops shoot more black people than anyone else. Is that a fucking convenient thing? No, it's not. Most of the time, it's just fucking unjust, stupid little violence because you're piddling little fucking minds. Is that your view of America? Tons. Fuck you, America. You're reviewing America now. After this, you fit in a fifth review. In that's how freedom, America, <sighs> idiots. You done? Right, you're done. Right, bye everyone. Bye guys. Yeah, love you. Say love you. Love you guys. Thank except, you. except you know, obviously, if you vote for Trump. Okay. Bye. Bye.